Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh boy, here we go. This this is going to be a really exciting week. Uh, a whole bunch of things are happening that uh, are, are just fabulous. One, uh, tomorrow, Christina Bob, uh, Trump's attorney, reporter, um, just all-around fascinating person. Is for, uh, I shouldn't say former Marine, retired Marine uh, from the JAG unit, and just she'll be here uh, tomorrow. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, CO2 Coalition. We're going to dispel a bunch of the stuff about uh, – about you know all the the myths of CO2 and how CO2 is a good thing. Without it, uh, the plants die, and when the plants die, we die. You know, we're going to put it really simply that uh, if you don't have CO2, you don't have a carbon cycle. If you don't have a carbon cycle, you don't have life on planet Earth. And these idiots, these morons, are trying to take that away from us. Um, and we'll talk about that too. So they're either stupid or dangerous or both. Uh, I guess dangerously stupid comes to mind. But I got a thrill. Uh, I, I I'm really excited about this. I'm going to in fact I'm going to bring her on right now. Jessica Rivera, who's on the show once before, uh, is going to add a whole new dimension of of reporting. She's got Got broadcast journalism uh, experience. She's a political correspondent, and it's just, it's really great to have her. Jessica, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Greg. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Let's give you a round of applause. <laughs> there we go. So I'm going to make you a theme. Everybody here gets a theme, so I need to, I need I've got like okay. news themes. I've got I've news. So we're gonna we're gonna pick one, and we'll say some like really good things about you. Let me see. Let me play one right here. Uh, that one's too long. This is the one I like. How about this? And now the Rivera Report with Jessica Rivera. Does that sound good? Isn't that newsy? <laughs> I love it. And very, very, um, I mean, after that, I better have a really, really good story to tell. That That's quite an introduction. Well, I'll work out of it. I'll think about it. We've got to get a, get a theme here. In fact, I think one of the things I want to talk about today uh, is is your report. And it's really funny that um, a lot of the talking I do with, with my reporters is on the air. <laughs> it's like we don't have a lot of private conversations. Mm-hmm. We do the, like the uh, off-the-air message stuff like that. But the actual chance we get to talk in detail, it's right here. So everybody's listening, you know, in Azerbaijan and uh, Cuba and Thailand and New Zealand and all the other places we reach. It's really quite fascinating. Anyway, so let's go with background on you just to reintroduce you to everybody so they know what's going on, especially when Marco joins us. Uh, Marco's a friend in the Netherlands. He's always typing in and looking up stuff for us. He's kind of like our, our on-the-air uh, live chat person. So, so let's kind of reintroduce you. Okay, so um, obviously I have a, a journalism background. I've worked in broadcasting and um, broadcast news specifically, um, originally from Los Angeles, California. So I did some over there in L.A., Orange County, before I moved to Colorado, specifically Denver. And then while out here in Denver, I worked with um, a couple broadcasting uh, networks, uh, specifically Weather Nation and Real America's Voice. And then when that ended, I am currently a political correspondent for Right Side Broadcasting. So whenever they kind of need me, I you know run out and uh, do some coverage. And um, that's really where we're at right now. And now I'm kind of doing some investigative reporting for you now. 
which is absolutely fascinating, and I want to thank you for that. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one thing that's been missing. Uh, you know, a lot of us here, we, uh, like I say, I, I, I'm sort of, you know, jokingly say I'm uniquely unqualified for everything I do. I don't have a broadcast degree. I don't have a communications degree. I don't have a law degree. Yet I've written more legislation than uh, uh, any member of Congress at this point. Um, it's really fascinating. I don't have an economics degree. We talk about that every Friday. Um, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a science. Well, I've got an environmental studies degree, but I don't have a, a real science degree yet. We're going to talk climate change. Um, in fact, you with Weather Nation uh, might be, uh, if you want to get a question to Gregory Wrightstone, uh, that'd be great. Tell me about that for a second. I mean, I'm kind of curious. With your experience in Weather Nation, did that give you some insight into this, this whole climate fraud that's being perpetuated on us and the fact that uh, carbon, you know, carbons are, are, life is carbon. We are carbon. The air is carbon. The plants are carbon. We're all carbon. How can these idiots think that getting rid of carbon dioxide is somehow a good thing? Anyway, yeah, tell me. So while I was there, and that was a few years ago, um, mm-hmm. we they, they kind of steered away from it. They just did. It was like, you know, we're going to give people what they need in a concise report, very clear. Um, we're not going to get any into anything um, kind of that's going to be controversial of some sort. Uh, if people wanted to talk about a climate, you know, change in regards to not the climate change that you're talking about, but a climate mm-hmm. change in, um, you know, this is not a normal for this area, which lots of times that does happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Things change, you know, obviously the earth has cycles and so does the weather. Um, right. But really they didn't get into it. So nobody at the time um, really had to really deal with it or agree. Um, I think the newsroom was probably kind of split. Um, if I remember on who believed what, but it really didn't come up. Everybody was just, you know, and they did uh, weather for pretty much, let's see, the U.S. Mm -hmm. We talked international weather, and then um, they did uh, weather for the Bahamas and the Caribbean um, and those areas. So they were busy just, you know, trying to get that information. It wasn't weather in one specific location. It was all over. So there was so much to cover that really that didn't have a lot a lot of time to kind of poke up. So Interesting. Well, we're going to change all that. <laughs> this is actually, we don't care. Politics is, and, and you know, I, I made a, a thing on Facebook last night that the only uh, climate change that uh, people can really affect is the political climate. <laughs> it's the only thing you can change with legislation. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Now, did you come to the weather um, broadcasting out of an interest in weather, a science background, or is it just a, a place that you really, it was a good opportunity to get started in broadcast journalism? So, um, I had already done broadcast journalism back in Los Angeles and Orange County on a very local level, um, doing just general uh, assignment reporting, and then a little bit of anchoring here and there, but nothing too um, involved. So when I came out here to Denver, I realized that news just works completely different, right? It's not like a Los Angeles. Yes, in L.A., you could see a new person every week, and nobody really says anything, right? Out here in um, – and in, in a lot of other areas, <laughs> back in America, <laughs> in a lot of other places, you see the same news team. Um, it's not really theatrical, or it's not really Hollywood-ish, um, like it can be over there in Southern California. So, with that being said, I realized that out here they didn't really just bring people on to contract work, or they didn't bring people on to just do this and that, and try them out. Like. <clears throat> 
can happen in Southern California. So there for a few years, I kind of did my own thing, um, kind of realized, okay, well, it's quite different here. Um, and then one day I just got a, a, a posting um, uh, kind of like a information about Weather Nation um, needing a producer. And so I figured I would try it out, and I did, and they gave me the position, and I did that for quite a few years. Um, and I ended up going to Mississippi State's um, meteorology certificate program, and I mm-hmm. honestly still need to finish that. <laughs> um, oh, hey, listen, we, when I was we all have finish, work to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. When I was going to finish, I had actually – come on to Real America's Voice, the political side, and I had really, really enjoyed it, and it was election year, so kind of put things off a little. (laughs) Maybe maybe we have more impact in politics than the weather. I mean, you know, everybody reports on the the weather, but you can't change it. (laughs) You know, politics, at least we can have an impact on. Well, the reason I ask, as you were talking, I was thinking it would be fascinating to have a, a CO2 report. I mean, nobody does that. Okay. You know, just, just, it's, it's up to you. I mean, it's your report. I just, I love making suggestions. And tell me when I've made too many, because that's, that's another thing I'm really guilty of. Um, I was going to say, you really do love suggestions, but I love it because you're always thinking <laughs> and you always want to add something new. So, <laughs> Well, see, that's, that's one of my contradictions is that I'll say, it's your report, do what you want. And then they'll give you like 15 things, yeah. you know, to think about. That's normal. Do okay. Just do it as I say. <laughs> No, no, nothing. But I'm not. I don't want to tell you what to. But in other words, yeah. I mean, these are ideas, and if you, you know, you're you're free to accept or not. You, you probably have better ones, and that's okay. That's just that's just me. That's just how I operate because I have so yeah. many ideas. You know, I mean, God dumped this 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 you know um, idea like gene into me. <laughs> it's just I don't know where it comes from, but uh, it's it's you know try try being in my brain. It's not. It's it's very crowded. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff it, going it, on. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, Marco just checked in from the Netherlands, so we know he's there too. He says he's uh, not always on his computer, so he may not be. Marco, you don't have to look up everything. Uh, it's okay. We'll just, <laughs> just listen in and have some fun. This is so weird. I'll tell you, because I grew up with you know rotary dial phones when I was a kid. All right, so the ability mm-hmm. to sit here on a computer uh, on a microphone talking directly to somebody in the Netherlands, you know, who I haven't heard from yet, voice to voice because he's he's on live chat. This is staggering to me, and the technology is amazing. It is. Yeah. It's it's amazing what we can do today mm-hmm. um, with technology, like you said, especially in TV. And I think you know, pandemic being good or bad for people, whatever, however people want to, um, you know, whatever their experience was in it. I did. I do really believe it took broadcasting, whether that's radio, um, TV, to a whole mm-hmm. new level of uh, what we can do, especially with the zooms now and the, um, you know, the different ways of reaching out and seeing people on video. And so it, it really is amazing. Well, I mean, look at me. Like I say, I'm not a professionally trained video person or broadcaster or mm-hmm. radio or anything. I mean, I had, I had six shows that I did in Bakersfield. was the extent of my experience before I uh, got the job at WBY. So a little radio station here. Uh, still my favorite job in radio, for, when I, like working for somebody else, because it was fabulous. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, I do videos. You know, we're, we're, we're pioneers here. We're, we're broadcasting in ways that have never been done or never even thought of by actually becoming advocates. Um, so before I get to your ideas, I really will like just this is probably the next question after this one. But do you do you wonder as I do that the left broadcasting is completely activist? It's propagandistic. It's uh, prop- I'm writing fast here. Uh, propagandistic. There we go. Um, 
it's directed. It's it's almost like a, a an adjunct arm of the Democrat Party, which is you know part of the world communist movement. I mean, I'll be blunt, uh, but the the news is directly incorporated into a political agenda. Whereas on the conservative side of broadcasting, they're still in this world of of objectivity, which doesn't exist. It's almost like they're thirty years behind the times. Do you and my hope is that conservative broadcasters will become conservative news advocates. So for every problem, there is a solution. For every uh, everything that uh, people report on, they say, well, here are some possible ways out of this. You know, or here's what the the government could do better, or here's what uh, here's where the corporation screwed up, or something like that. But get into the solutions. Get beyond this 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 pretense of objectivity that really doesn't exist anymore. So like I say, if you want to report on the broadcast industry itself, especially the conservative side, that would be fascinating too. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I I definitely think you have a point there. I was just actually speaking with my husband the other day, and I said, you know, it's so sad that we've come to um, a day where um, it's division instead of saying, you know what, we will happily welcome both liberal, conservative, and, you know, sides to come on and, you know, report their stories. They don't Uh have to be so... Uh, you know, cited in what they believe, but it's okay to, you know, at this point, okay to know how people feel politically and kind of have them in all one newsroom and really give the people, your audience, um, the the power to kind of say what they like, what they don't like, what they want to see, what they don't want to see. But that's not how it is. Obviously, we know that um, mainstream media is very much liberal, more Democrat, and... Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's very much changing, and it's had to change for a while now. It's not as popular, obviously, to be a conservative uh-huh. reporter, um, but I think people are getting more used to it and are appreciating um, the fact that more people who are conservative and um, are coming out and being vocal about it, because I think there for a while a lot of people didn't want to have any sort of notoriety about it because – you are blacklisted pretty much in this industry, and um, it's it's not a good thing to do in this industry. But I think right now people are getting used to the fact that it's a, an up-and-coming um, type of news. You know, things are going to change, and I see them continuing. Yeah, you look at Fox News. You know, the more liberal they get, mm-hmm. the more their audience goes to Newsmax and One Americas. Uh, so the, the, the knowledge, you know, the, the need for people to have alternative reporting. We actually have, you know, we have uh, Bianca von Krieg, who's a, a mm-hmm. West Coast progressive socialist trans activist uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we cover everything. And I here. think now, that that's great. Yeah. I think it's great. We don't great agree on hardly anything. A... <laughs> it's really yeah. fun. No, no. And you don't have, this is <laughs> but that's the thing. Okay. I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think if you want to yeah. have a conversation to always get people to agree with you, you're going to have a hard time in life because it's really not yeah. how it works. Lots of times dialogue is just to get to understand somebody's viewpoint. You may never right. understand it, never agree with them, but it's always nice to just hear it and um, understand and just know that there's people that think differently. Of course, mm-hmm. you're not going to agree with them. You're probably not going to hang out with them or, you know, spend your off time with them. Well, that'd but, be interesting. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, time I'm in San you can appreciate <laughs> other people's thoughts. Yeah, appreciating yeah, yeah. other people's ideas and that that's what America is. You can have those. Yeah. 
Well, I think I want to understand, and, and I think I do. That's, but from Bianca, we get these incredible insights into the Democrats and the progressives. No conservative show would ever hear simply because they don't have you know, people with different viewpoints on, which is crazy. Um, speaking of different viewpoints, enough of me. <laughs> what, what's been on your mind? What, what you been looking into? What, uh, what do you have for us this morning? So my story this morning would be the Illinois, the newest, no-cash bail law. Um, just went into effect last Monday. Yes. Uh-huh. And for some people, they may say, who cares? You know, like, what is that really? How does that really affect my life? Um, it's really not important. Oh, we care. <laughs> this is a very sophisticated audience. We've <laughs> well, we got really intelligent person. people out there. Yeah, yeah. We, we were, this is, <laughs> well, I don't think we're – yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I never talk down to people, so you can be as complex and detailed and intricate. And we got a legal report following you. So uh, okay, we might, uh, awesome. I might ask Jonathan the same questions. This is kind of cool. So tell me about the tell okay. me about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it went into effect. It's a no cash bail law, and um, Illinois is the first in the country to pass such a law. So they're going to be the example for the nation. Uh, mm-hmm. It was actually voted in a couple of years ago. It's part of a whole uh, pretrial fairness act, um, the section mm-hmm. of the safety act, which they passed two years ago, um, effect last week. And basically what it does is when somebody is convicted of a, um, arrested, not convicted, mm-hmm. arrested of a crime in Illinois now, right. if it is considered a nonviolent crime, then they are released free and just given, you know, here's your paper, here's your uh, next court date, please show up. Um, <laughs> and that, <laughs> oh, gee, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, kind of like what's happening at the border, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so with that, someone might say, well, you know, okay, so it's nonviolent. All right, well, let's start with that. Mm-hmm. The issue is drugs right now in America are a huge problem. And that is one of the offenses that is considered um, nonviolent. So the reality of that person going back out on the streets and reoffending and continuing to either deal drugs, buy drugs, whatever the situation is, is most likely going to continue. We know this in studies. Recidivism right. is, especially with somebody who, who has some sort of a, a rap sheet or a record. Um, so there's that, which, you know, for, for many people it may not affect them, but I think everybody at this point knows knows somebody or has had the experience themselves of a loved one dying of an overdose, fentanyl, um, things of that nature. And so are, is it really a nonviolent crime, I think would be the question. So there's that. But then you go to the violent crime. Okay, well, let's specifically go to Chicago. Obviously, Illinois has the number one um, city in the U.S. for violent crime. So, and supposedly this law is to keep minorities, specifically blacks, Hispanics, out of jail because they, they say that they um, get higher, uh, what is that called? They're given much higher uh, bonds. They can't afford them. It, oh, yeah. It's Sense basically an attack time, on the yeah, poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jailed for being black kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Uh, but what, yeah, they people don't, just, what they don't, yeah, yeah but what they don't explain, or what a lot of people don't see, is yeah, if you go to a Chicago jail or Chicago, you know the area, you're probably going to see more blacks, more Hispanics uh, locked up. I mean, it's just the demographics of the area most of the time. And well, there's a reason studies too. show that. Uh, 
yeah, eighty percent of the crime in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So almost eighty percent of the crime in Chicago, and this is continuously for years now. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the crime in Chicago that is committed mm-hmm. is committed by blacks on blacks. Yeah. But that's never brought up. You oh, we do. Like, the, <laughs> we talk about that. Yeah. No. 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 But what but, I'm saying is, you will yeah. never hear that in a mainstream media. They just make yeah. it seem like there's all these minorities in the jails and then all of these white people are walking free when that's not the reality of the situation. There is a root problem. I think there's more than one problem Mm -hmm. uh, depending on how people look at it. And none of those problems are being addressed. It's just going straight to the end result and trying to make it right from there. And it doesn't, it obviously is not going to make any sense. Um, So with that being said, of course, they're not going to be able to know how this pans out, right, for Illinois, specifically Chicago, Mm -hmm. until they can really study it for a few years. Um, Obviously, it's only been in in effect for one week. But if they're the number one, if Chicago is the number one in violent crime in the U.S., year in and year out, I don't understand how they think that this is going to help keep the minorities out of jail when those are the highest offenders, and they know this by studies. It's not just a a hearsay or we think. These are studies that have been done. So it's really an interesting law, Um, and the reason why I say it is is because a lot of states are going to look at it and see, try to follow suit. And um, what is the motive, obviously, to return to your court date? if you know you're going to probably end up getting some sort of jail time or a fine or be on probation, there isn't anything there because nobody has signed for you. You haven't signed for yourself. Um, So it's basically a get out of jail free ticket, even though they don't want people to think that that's what it is. It is. And those who are quote unquote violent um, being charged with violent crimes, they're just going to keep the jails, you know, crowded. So I don't, the nonsense of this law is it, beside me. I, I mean, I think they know that it's not going to work. Um, they're trying to say that it's a, you know, a re- justice reform. Um, it's a civil rights, you know, law. When in reality, what it is for the, specifically the people of Chicago, but the people of Illinois too, is it is a community, I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot of people who lose their lives due to this new no cash bail law. And it's sad. Oh, I agree. That's what has to take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing with all the illegals coming across the border. I mean, the crime rate is going to skyrocket mm-hmm. and these people can just skip right yeah. back again. Um, I wrote something down while, uh, while you were talking. I wrote justice by quota. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like the left looks at groups for everything. And if there are too many black people in jail, we have to reduce the number of black people in jail to be representative of the population. If there aren't enough black, you know, pilots, we need to put black people in, in the airline cockpits, whether they can fly or not. I mean, you know, and I taught, I used to be a flight instructor and I taught everybody. Um, so it didn't, it, all that mattered was, could you, could you fly the airplane? That was my only criteria. I taught women. I said, you know, every group you can think of. Older folks, younger folks. I had high school students. I had one guy in his 70s. Um, and it didn't matter. It's just it, all that mattered was whether mm-hmm. you could do it. You know, same thing. But if, if, if you look at everything by quota, I mean, everything, 
how many people are in school? How many people can get college scholarships? How many people, how many government contracts should be issued? If, if everything is being reduced by the left to a quota, then if there are too many black and Hispanic people in jail simply, you know, because they committed the crimes, that's somehow wrong because it goes against the group. But uh, I'm going to ask some follow-up questions on this, but do you, do you see this as, as, as simple or as stupid as, as justice by quota? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting hmm. that you bring that up because if you do in any area, there's always going to be one group that is no, higher in something or lower in something than another. It's just mm-hmm. the way it works, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you look at demographics. You know, if you look at, you know, certain areas of the country, if the demographic is more minorities live there, then that's probably going to be the highest number of whatever you're looking at. Um, it, 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 there's so much more that comes into play when they um, give people the outcome of these statistics or these reports. And lots of times people just take them for face value. And there's mm-hmm. so much more that needs to be um, really reported in them. Um, so, yes, I, I, I totally agree with you. It, it definitely is. Interesting. Well, we've got time for that. I want to explore this, too. Uh, Pianki's on live chat, too, and he's uh, our, our most regular uh, caller and, and my friend. And it just, he really just you know, helps us out immensely. But uh, he talks about this. He's in Missouri. And, and so this is a fascinating subject. We really need to look into this because nobody's actually doing the studies. Why is it that Chicago has you know, such a, a high crime rate, especially black-on-black crime, especially young black men mm-hmm. are killing other young mm-hmm. black men at epidemic levels? Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, it's, uh, here's, my, here's my, my, my other, you know, nasty question. Um, do you think the government's doing this by design? Is this intentional, these crime rates? You know, you would almost have to think possibly and more towards a yes. And the reason why I say that is because mm-hmm. the first thing I would think of to try and um, combat the situation. Now, like I said, I don't think that there's one answer only. And there's one problem, and so let's nip that one problem in the bud. I think this is years and years and years that mm-hmm. have kind of compiled into make what the reality is now. First of all, let's look at the education system in Chicago mm-hmm. okay. in some of these areas. Some of the worst schools, some of the worst uh, reports coming out of there. But why are they not looking at that and saying, okay, why, are we, why don't we put more money or why don't we put more resources or try to figure out how we can get these kids the education that they need and that kids deserve in a public school um, to make them competitive so that they're able to graduate at a, you know, a decent reading level, get into colleges. Now, I'm not saying that that's every person from Chicago. Like, that is not uh-huh. what I'm saying. What I'm saying is a lot of these, if you take these people who have these criminal records, lots of times it's either they're dropouts or they just barely got through high school. And the reason why is because, you know, the teachers didn't want to deal with them anymore. I mean, it's going on now. So it's not that big of a mystery. So why don't we start there and then kind of see how that goes. But eventually just going straight to the, to the place specifically where people are already committing crime and that's kind of like their way of life, instead of going directly there where the loss is going to be greater because the loss at that point is going to be people's lives. Um, it's, 
and I just don't think they take that very seriously. I don't think that it affects them. I don't think a lot of these supposed professionals um, who do these studies, they don't have to live in these communities. So they can make whatever rules they want because it doesn't affect them. Their family is not going to be affected. But for the people who are affected, they usually are the ones that don't have a say or a voice. And that's what's really, really sad and disheartening. Um, because I think if you really went into the communities there, they would probably agree with the fact that they need to have start with better education for these kids. Um, now, I'm not saying that's the only problem that's there. I think there's a lot of other issues um, that we can, you know, go down a rabbit hole with. But I think that would be one huge um, area that they could start to try and, you know, rectify and make better. We need to study that, too. Um, Pianchi's got a point here. He says, the face of violent crime, murder in the U.S., uh, is that of the black male, uh, 15 to 34 years old. He says, black, and Pianchi's black. He says, black uh, rate of murder is 207 per 100,000. For white males, it's 8 per 100,000. That's mm-hmm. a huge difference. That's a massive yeah, difference. Yeah, and that Eight is the reason. And, yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to be, that's why, and people don't, like, take Mm -hmm. that into account or even know that information. So what they're just going to see is they're going to say, well, yeah, of course, if you look at this jail or you look at this prison, there's more blacks, there's more Hispanics. Yes, but there is a reason, (laughs) you know, there's a reason why things are the way they are. Yes, there are the few. um, I think the exception to the rule of those who are innocently put in prison or innocently convicted of something. Absolutely. I do not deny that at all. But that is not the majority of people who are there in jail or prison or who are committing crimes. Um, That is really a rare situation. Um, But I think they want to try and convince the public that that's the reality. And it, it really isn't. Well, let's let's take a look at this. Uh, a couple of things come to mind. One, um, and I've talked about this on the show um, several times, that the real racism in this country, the real racism comes from the Democrat Party. You've got Democrat-controlled mm-hmm. cities, Chicago. You've got a substandard, basically racist education system that by design mm-hmm. does not teach black students and Hispanic students as well as other school systems across the country mm-hmm. teach everybody. You've got Absolutely. substandard you've got public housing, substandard public housing. You've got huge mm-hmm. welfare for single mothers. So you've got no mm-hmm. fathers, no decent education, no decent, you know, uh, an opportunity for people to earn things. And you've got an economy that sucks because everything. Yeah, it all started control. with uh, Johnson's, Johnson's design of trying to help, um, supposedly help the black community. And this is what we have today. I think this is, a, that's a huge reason why we have what we have today. And I don't think so my it's question, little, you know, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying my question is, do you think this is by design? Because how else could you yeah. create a situation like this where, where a huge number of young black and Hispanic males are committing an outrageous amount of crimes uh, in, in liberal Democrat cities? You don't see this in, I don't know, uh, Indianapolis, uh, mm-hmm. Charleston, <laughs> you know, uh, there, take, take some cities, you know, Houston. You don't see this in mm-hmm. conservative cities. And cities run by Republicans. This is a Democrat problem. This is a liberal. This is a leftist problem. And the question I have is: Is this by design? And I, this is a rhetorical question, but I, I believe it is. Go ahead. What it do you is. Think? It okay. absolutely 
I believe is. Um, maybe a couple years ago, a few years ago, I would have thought, eh, I think it's a little conspiracy mm-hmm. or, you know. But now I don't put anything past the, uh, our government, um, our political systems, people in charge. Um, <clears throat> for instance, why is it that the Democrat Party, okay, mm-hmm. hates the thought of school choice and Republicans mm. push for it? Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's competition and then you have to you have to perform and you have to give results in every community and they don't want that. Why is it that they fight so hard against that? And people really need to really need to wonder when they're mm-hmm. voting Democrat, what are you really supporting? Well, that's what I wonder. <laughs> Why are they voting yeah. Democrat? No, and, 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 <laughs> and, and I, I get it because I come from a huge Democrat area in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, um, yeah. Southern California, I mean, you're supposed to be a liberal. Your your tradition. How, how, does this, yeah. how, did, how did this happen? <laughs> exactly. I I feel like I went to college and it actually turned me. I didn't know what it was at the time because I wasn't really politically, uh, oh, you know, minded. It is. It was interesting. I had to take this one class, and I don't know if I had told you on previous interviews, but or oh, tell me again. times I was on the show. I'm curious now. Yeah. Um, I, I had to take. You know, in college, you have to take all of these meaningless uh, elect electives. Right. So I ended up being able to get into this woman's woman's study class or whatever it was, and oh, I thought, I okay, that's fine. This. You know, <laughs> this is going to be good. Well, the teacher, the only thing she did was she just bashed men the whole time. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think a lot of people in college were, you know, we're all trying to find our ways. Um, you're trying to figure out how to be an adult, yet, you know, what you think, what you mm-hmm. agree with, with very, and this is the thing that's dangerous, though, I always think, with limited life experience, you're trying to make these major life decisions. Oh, yeah. Um, 18, you know, 19, sure. You, you know, know the world after all about. one semester. <laughs> <laughs> after one semester, you know everything. Um, and to me, it turned me off. And I think the reason why, well, I don't think, the reason why is because, sure, you could be mad at a guy or whatever if you're dating or, you know, you don't have a good, you know, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But my experience with my family, and I can only go off of what I have experienced in my life, every male in my life was nothing but positive and loving to me. And That's good. So That's wonderful. And so she dis- what she, what she described was not mm-hmm. what I ever experienced. But then as life goes on, I realized that a lot of w- women don't have those experiences. And so maybe oh, no, that's a lot of women with, with, with violence from men. There's yes. a lot of women with just, mm-hmm. just uh, horrible relationships, oppression, control, narcissism, mm-hmm. and you name it. Uh, it's out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys, too. Uh, you know, guys are, are, have violence committed against them by women. They'll never admit it because guys can't talk about that. That's a, there's an issue for you if you're, you know, sure. we'll put this in our yeah. – this, this podcast is going to be an entire list of things, <laughs> you know, we can, uh, we can get to. But th- th- there's a whole world out there um, that is, is, yeah. uh, is staggering. And it's, that's not your experience. Uh, my experience is more, you know, just my own family background is much more emotional um, self-destruction and, and, you know, trying to break my spirit. That's what I grew up with. And it probably makes me okay. fearless now. So it's like, you know, trial by fire. Um, so I have a very different outlook that nothing bothers me now. You, you can't scare me, you know, even with death. Yeah. You can't. I mean, You're it's like, it's going to happen. Am. I know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So what are you going to do to me now? You know, I mean, I'm already oppressed on social media. We've already got all kinds of other things. But um, yeah. we need to look into this. That why, and here's another thing too, why are, are blacks and Hispanics singled out for 
the government racism. You know, why not Asian Americans? Why not Indian Americans or even American Indian Indian Americans? I'm going to tell you, it's cultural. Okay, tell me. It's cultural. Okay. Specifically for Hispanic communities, and mm-hmm. and there's probably very similar. Um, it's it's very similar probably to uh, some black communities, but in Hispanic in Hispanic community a family, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you their beliefs, whether they know it or not, are usually much more conservative. Okay. Yeah, I would think so. But the one thing that I think they prey on with the Hispanic family is the idea of respect when you grow up in a Hispanic family, respecting elders, respecting authority, respecting anybody older than you, just respecting and listening and paying attention and abiding by what is being told to you with no question. That I think is where they can get a lot of, a lot of people in the Hispanic um, culture to me. I think they prey on that. Um, And it's, it's a very sad thing. I don't know if that's exactly what it is in the in the black community because I wasn't raised in a black community and I am not black, um, but I think there probably might be some similarities, and I think it has to do with the family dynamic and the culture. Um, and so what they do is they don't really look into things. They expect that if you're an authoritative figure and you say this to them, that that's that's what it is. It's a very trusting, loving culture, um, and I think that that's really where it begins in, when it comes to that. How about the fatherless rate, uh, Hispanic versus black? Mm-hmm. Are there more yes. Hispanic fathers in the homes? Oh, I would say, you know, I would say yes, um, more. If you're if you're com- if you're comparing it to the black community, I would say yes, there are more. But I think even the Hispanic communities are starting to lack in that area. Um, and what ends up happening is, you know, I don't think um, government aid nowadays uh-huh. is welfare is looked at as embarrassing or maybe possibly a negative connotation as it maybe was a few years ago or years ago. Right. I think now it's almost like a like accepted. And once you come into that mindset and you're okay with that, you almost, you pass it on and it becomes a generational way of living. And once I think you're stuck in that cycle, it's a difficult one to get out. You know, it's interesting. Um, Hispanics have a tradition in this country. We're talking multi-generational, long-term mm-hmm. experience. Um, the military I think there's a, mm-hmm. there's an over, if I can say, by quota, representation of Hispanic Americans in the military, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's a split in this country that I think is is, is fascinating. I talked about this with Josie, uh, Josie Cassi, who does the Latino Report. Uh, you should call her sometime. That would be interesting to get you two together. Uh, she's from yeah. Nicaragua. I mean, she grew up under communism. Okay. So, uh, uh, so so she's the she's the real article, and she's on Wednesdays uh, at eight o'clock Central. So that'd be like six. No, you're Colorado. Are you Mountain Time? So it'd be like. I am mountain time. Okay, good. So the one West person Coast. in the country that's mountain time. Nobody lives <laughs> exactly, in Exactly, yeah. Well, and, and we, <laughs> we I'm always really say. glad he is going yeah. here. We, um, but we talked about, I talked about this with Josie several times, that the, the Republican Party has this ridiculous belief that all Hispanics, all American uh, Hispanics or, or Latinos believe that illegal immigration is a good thing that illegal aliens are wonderful because they're Hispanic. So therefore, as one voting 
you know, unanimous block um, that, uh, that the Republican Party could not be against illegal aliens because they would alienate their, their Hispanic American voters. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it, it is one group in this country that doesn't want illegal aliens. <laughs> it's, it's long-term Hispanic American multi-generational families. Right. It is. It's it's very it's very much the opposite. And when they, hmm. you know, and you're saying that you're using the you know illegal aliens or illegal immigration, but when it's on mainstream media, if you notice it, they'll mm-hmm. say Republicans or conservatives are against immigration. They don't like immigrants. Immigrants. We're all we're all from immigrants. So that's just silly. I am an immigrant. Completely. I was born in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I got off the boat in New York from Australia. I am an immigrant. <laughs> what know, they leave out like is guy. the illegal. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that is what people are against. And it's not the fact that you question. I feel for the people at the border. If I was in their situation, I'd probably want to do the same thing and take mm-hmm. advantage of it, right? It, so you can't really yeah. blame them necessarily, especially when they're being welcomed. So the the it has to be put on the government and the government in control at that time. Um, because obviously, whether you supported Trump, don't support mm-hmm. him, like him, don't like him, that border was tight when he was in office. And well, there's no question about that. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a globalist aspect of this too. So let's get yeah. back to the cash bail. Um, so it, this yeah. is a very individual small issue that, that I think completely relates to an overall problem, that if you want to destroy the United States, one of the best ways to do it is to promote crime. You know, mm-hmm. uh, shoplifting. We've got looters, you know, that are going in 50 to 100 at a time raiding entire stores. I think Target But that's going to be considered, and I don't mean to cut you off, but in, no, Chicago, okay. in Illinois, that's going to be considered nonviolent. Oh, really? Right? Don't even worry about yes, cutting me off. I, I, I do that constantly. <laughs> so just, just jump right in. It's okay. It's perfectly <laughs> acceptable right here. Yeah. So tell me. Um, yeah, how, how was that, that nonviolent? nonviolent. Really? Because there's nobody, it's, it's a crime against a, an object. Uh, a car theft, nonviolent. Um, even though it affects somebody's life and they can't make a living, uh, it's nonviolent. So that's another thing that in crime we have to take into okay. consideration. What is considered mm-hmm. nonviolent? Yeah, you didn't beat the person up, but financially you wrecked them. You know, they somebody's is, car. How, how many people? Yeah. How much time, people spend years paying off their cars? Mm-hmm. You've taken years from that person. You have stolen mm-hmm. all the labor that went into buying that car. And having them use and that car. that is their way to make a living and to, you know, provide for themselves and to survive. Yet but that's it's a nonviolent offense. Yeah, it's well, nonviolent because, you know. So, anyways, yeah. I just wanted to okay. reiterate that. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. But, but, but cash bail. So, so how does it benefit uh, the average citizen to have criminals not have to have a bail system? We'll get into what bail actually is. I want to make sure we cover that too. But how, okay. are they? What's the propaganda line they're giving? They're the saying that this will benefit the average citizen. How? Because if you are arrested, this is what they're going to sell, and this is what they have sold to people. If you okay. are arrested for not paying a parking ticket, do you want to be stuck in jail because you can't afford the high uh, bail that they put on your freedom? Okay. That's another thing. The majority of people who are sitting in jail mm-hmm. did not forget to pay a park, parking ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? How about that? But they want people yeah. to they, they want people to believe that. It is they want white silly. people to believe it that. Is now, let's, let's be honest. 
They want white people to believe that because it's the white person yes. that's yes. going to worry about not paying yes. a parking ticket. It's the it's the middle yes. class, you know, working white, you know, dude or or, or dudette, you know, who's uh-huh. uh, yeah. who's going to worry about the little things. Oh no, I forgot to pay my parking ticket. I can't believe I, I double parks. You know, it's it's terrible. You and know, I'm not saying that it's not true. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's not true. Yeah, this is yeah this that is, if you don't pay a pay, parking ticket, you right. can have a warrant put out for your arrest, and you can get arrested, and they yeah. will put a bail. But I'm going to tell you that is the minority of, of course it arrests. Is. <laughs> Do you well, think police are I out there we, looking we for people with bench warrants? It's just silly. Exactly. It's like, I remember the argument in California against school choice was, was that witches might be teaching kids. We can't have that. So we have to have everybody in the government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what they said. Yeah. I said, really? That's your concern. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's, so let's mm-hmm. talk about what bail is. I don't, I don't know how much legal okay. stuff you look into. Uh, and, and we can always ask Jonathan. He'll be here in about 15 minutes. But can you explain to folks what bail is and why yeah. we have it? Feel free. Absolutely. And I'll tell you the reason why I'm uh, very well versed in bail is because I married into a bail bonding company. I mean, a oh, family. Interesting? Yes. A huh. family. Maybe they'll sponsor my show. For many, many years. 30-something years. So okay, I'm very, very well-versed on Let's bring him on the show. Works. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is interesting. I, I'd love to, to have your family, uh, you know, bring your husband on. Let's bring him on as a guest sometime. Sure. This would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Have you interviewed okay. him on the air? Oh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, right. So tell me. That tell would me be bail. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Would. So uh-huh. I've worked, I've worked with it. I've seen all aspects of it um, and the continuous fight to keep it in to keep bail bondsmen in um, in the in the loop, uh, not put mm-hmm. them out of business here in Colorado because it seems like every couple of years they're trying to, you know, vote them out because I think eventually Colorado does want to get to a no cash bail, um, be a no cash bail state. But as mm-hmm. of right now, there are bondsmen, so okay. that is their that's their you know attack right now. But what bail is is let's say you get arrested for whatever the situation is, you get arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or a person gets arrested, let's say, because they they were called because somebody thought that they, you know, um, stole something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the person will get picked up and the person will probably say, no, I didn't do it. The police will say, well, okay, well, we're going to arrest you. They put them in jail and mm-hmm. they will say, they will, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to look and see the person's past criminal history. If you have a past criminal history of similar mm-hmm. um, offenses, or if you just have years and years of doing just a bunch of crimes, then your bail will be set higher than the average person who this is their first offense. Okay. So let's say this person, it was their first offense. They say, okay, um, your bail will be $5,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what that person can do in Colorado is they can say, all right, I'm going to call my mom or my family member or a friend, and we're going to pay the 5000 directly to the courts and get me out. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have 5000 just sitting around at any one time, especially right now in today's economy. Oh, so yeah. what they'll do is they'll, they'll have their loved one, a bail bondsman, and the bail bondsman here in Colorado are very, very heavily regulated by the insurance company, by the insurance uh, department. So okay. the most they can charge is 15% and the least is 10. So it's not like they can just go and charge you whatever they want. It's, it, they're, they're regulated. 
So mm -hmm. that bondsman can say, we're going to charge you $500, or they can say 750 It just kind of depends on how that bondsman sees the person, um, what's their co-signer like, uh, does that person have, like, you know, offenses? Is that person tied to Colorado? Do they live somewhere else? They take into a Flight bunch risk. of different aspects. Flight risk, yeah. right? Okay. And so basically they under, it's called underwriting. So they kind of put it all together and they calculate it and they figure out, okay, we're going to take a chance on you. And lots of times what happens is a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a family member or a close friend, husband, wife, will say, okay, um, let's get this person out. I'll pay the 500 or, you know, whatever, 750 right. to get them out. I promise that if I'm going to sign this contract with the bail bondsman, that if mm -hmm. they do not appear at their court dates, I will pay you the $5,000, the bondsman, because the bondsman will then have to take that $5,000 and pay it to the courts within 90 days of that person not appearing. Uh, okay. This is okay. getting interesting. Yeah. But when you get into it, uh -huh. but when you get into it between the courts and the bondsmen, that's the only uh, contract that the, the courts acknowledge. They have nothing to do with the cosigner. They have nothing to do with the person who you did get out of jail. Um, their contract is only with the bail bondsmen. So when those people skip, because mm -hmm. the bail bondsman does not want to have to pay that money, first off, you don't usually want to pay that kind of money ever. And right. so in order to not, you have to get, you have to go bounty, that person. Um, bounty hunters. And oh, that, that was on my list of questions. <laughs> as soon as you started talking about this, I got to find out yeah. about bounty hunters. What are those? Yes. And uh, my, my husband and the family, they do their own bounty hunting. So basically they go look for this person. They have intel. They try to figure it out. Lots of times a lot of people will, um, the person who has to pay the 5000 like the mom, the dad, whoever signed, will say, oh, they're over here. They're here. They'll usually tell you because they don't want to have to pay the five thousand. Yeah, I was just thinking right? about that. They don't they're want to interested to, to uh, turn in their fellow. Exactly. Family so everybody uh, works okay. together because they have a dog in the fight, right? Speaking um, of dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> that, yeah. Great, great segue. Well, and so um, when they get this person, the the bounty or sorry, the bondsman only has ninety days to get that person in front of the judge in order mm -hmm. for that bond to be off the records I'm like okay you turned your person in you don't right. owe us the five thousand dollars so, the, the, so the bail is done the bondsman it, it, says the person shows yeah. up right so the, the there is no bail there's nothing to be paid everybody's happy well except the bail bond so i guess they lose their interest uh, or i don't know well how does that work how do the bail folks get paid bail bond people get paid if the person so they shows make up? that 500 they make that 500 dollars original oh, for making the contract 750 whatever they charge because right. that's non-refundable Okay, but it's it. because the person didn't have to pay the 5000 They only paid a percentage. Okay. So that's how they make their money. But mm -hmm. what happens with the, bond, the bail bondsman is people say, oh, you know, they rip people off. They do this and that. Da, 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 da. Well, a bail bondsman cannot stay in business, at least mm -hmm. in Colorado, if you have a bunch of skips. Because the courts are going to say, once you can't bring somebody back to the courts, you go on a, uh, basically a blacklist. And until you get that paid or that person's in front of the jail, you cannot continue business. Oh, that's so, interesting. So, so the bail people are responsible. Yeah. So, so what about law enforcement? If someone's skipping bail, I guess as they say, mm -hmm. or they're skipping the court date, that's, that becomes a, a government, a legal, a law enforcement matter. Are they leaving it to the bail bond companies to, to find these people? I mean, why aren't the police looking for them? 
oh, you mean when the person who, um, like, let's say the person that my husband bailed out, they skipped. Why aren't the police right. looking for them? Yeah. Okay. If it's a if it's a big enough charge, they sometimes do. Like if it's you know, um, first degree, second degree murder, first degree murder, or something very very large. Right. Then sure, they will probably have them out looking for them. But if it's not something that big, and especially right now, nonviolent with the way law enforcement is. <laughs> In term we've yeah, talked about before. With the way, yeah. well, especially now with law enforcement, you know. Uh-huh. They're they're so <clears throat> they really don't want to do more than they have to do because do you blame them with all of the you know a bunch of them you know being being uh, going to jail or going you know having uh, losing their jobs because they're supposedly yeah. a racist or you know whatever the situation is um, so a lot of them are just doing the bare minimum just until they can get that retirement you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do. I, and I've met government employees. I used to be one at various times. And uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing this, things they care about are, are sick leave, vacations, and retirement. That's it. That's all they talk about. It's, yeah. It's really sad. And then you, you, put, you, add, you add more to their plate, and it's like, God, they're going to go out and maybe give a few tickets and do what they are asked to do, but they're not going to go above and beyond and try to be yeah. heroes anymore, you know? Um, so sometimes huh. they do, but it is not their job as much as it is the bail bondsman job. And they are given the authority to bounty that person because um, as a certified bondsman, you're allowed to go after your, the person you've, you've, um, you've bailed out. And if they skipped on you, you have that authority to do that. Um, mm. Now, of course you can't be violent about it and you can't, you know, but you do, they're not you can hunt them down and you can. It's, it's a strange role because they're actually acting, they're actually enforcing laws. They're enforcing court orders. They're enforcing, you mm-hmm. know, so, so bail bonds companies and bounty hunters are actually, you know, uh, uh, a non-sworn uh, law enforcement uh, aid. They're actually helping. So by getting rid of, of cash bail and getting rid of bail bondsmen and getting rid of bounty hunters, mm-hmm. you're actually um, hurting uh, law enforcement uh, against the average you- citizen. Go ahead. Exactly. So you're putting more on the law enforcement's plate, first off, because they're the ones who are going to have to go look for these people who were let out for free, who aren't going to return, who commit more crimes. And um, lots of times with bail bondsmen, what you do is a person who you bailed out could go a year. They have to make it on that that, um, bond. They have to make every court appearance. Hmm. They can't skip one court appearance. It, it seems to fit in the puzzle of creating more crime, to create more fear, to create more draconian policies, to promote more gun, you know, theft and confiscation by the government. Uh, it, it's all part of the, 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 the Marxian world government plan that I've, mm-hmm. I've always believed um, that, that the criminal element, uh, government uses criminals to scare honest people into giving up their rights. That's re- and this is just Absolutely. a part of that, that, that overall plan. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that, then I'll bring it up Bianca. Because... I'm sure he's got a couple of questions. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Oh, um, and so, you know, the reality is that if you look at it, because I used to think, yeah, what is the purpose of a bail bondsman? What is the purpose of this? But it's uh-huh. also a third party who the only dog they have in it is a financial, is, is basically contractual. They don't want to have to pay the money. So now what you're doing when you're doing cash bail, no cash bail or 
your jailer is your bail bondsman. It, it's, there's a conflict of interest there. Then why aren't they going to go out and just start arresting people for silly things? Because they want to make money. They're going to say, right. you can either pay us because we're going to get rid of the bail bonds or the bondsmen. And that's what they're doing right now in Colorado is the jails will act as a bondsman um, and say, you can either call a bail bondsman and pay them, you know, $500 or you can pay us 200 Well, they're going to pay the jail 200 You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, and that money goes to the jail. So why there's such a conflict of interest there on top of such um, a community, uh, you know, hazard that's taking place also when you don't have checks and balances and nobody's keeping track of people who are being let out on, um, on crimes. Yeah, but we've lost the original purpose of bail, which, as I understand it, at our founding, uh, was that before bail, people were incarcerated and they, and they were put in jail immediately as soon as they're mm-hmm. uh, charged with a crime. Mm-hmm. And they had no ability mm-hmm. to, to get a defense of themselves. So the whole purpose of bail is it holds you accountable to come back to court, but you're out mm-hmm. on bail, as they say, so you can you know, contact your lawyers and prepare a defense and get ready for your trial. That's originally what it was Absolutely. for. And, that's, that and if you have a job, you can still continue your job. Yeah. You don't lose your job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, John, a little bit early. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No. So, and, and that's a lot of times because people will get arrested and their main focus is, okay, I can fight this when I'm out, but I need to get to, to work so I can make money. Yeah. Uh, I have a family. I have this or that. Um, you know, so it, it's to keep everything in order and not let everything fall apart because what does that person do? Then that person has to go and work the streets or do something on the side to make money. Um, or they have, you know, it, it, it just, maybe commit a crime a whole, to make money yeah, because, exactly. because they can't, they're not on a veil. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I promise to get Pianchi in. Um, let me get him for the question. And then Jonathan, okay. who does our legal report, uh, is on. If you have a couple extra minutes to stick around, that'd be great. I don't know if you have to leave exactly at the top of the hour, but if you got just like about, three or four minutes, five minutes maybe afterwards, I want to uh, uh, bring in Jonathan. So, Jonathan, we're talking about the cash bail law uh, in Illinois with uh, Jessica Rivera, uh, who is our new Monday investigative reporter, political correspondent, and anything else you want to put into your title. Pianchi, um, I want to get you in here just before the end. Uh, did you? I'm sure you have a question for Jessica. Well, the, the cash bail law is coming about through these suggestions by these activists like BLM. And government is not the problem of the crime wave in Chicago, and then again it is. Because at your highest level of government, you have black faces. The lieutenant governor, female, she's black. You got the secretary of state, he's black. You got the Chicago uh, DOJ, he's black. Your prosecutor for Cook County, she's black. He had a black mayor. Whatever that problem is, the problem exists. And the problem, and you can't say it's blacks because you got Africans in this country. I make mention of Nigerians, first, second, third, fourth generation. They don't end up in these crime data. Mm-hmm. Those are black Americans. And Hispanics is about a tenth of the murder rate than the black Americans. And it's not all black Americans. 
it's a certain percentage that's causing all these issues. And it needs to be told like that. It's always not, it's never told the way it is. That's where people who's not totally aware, they hear about it, don't get a clear picture. Jessica? Yeah, no, I, I think he's 100%. I think that exactly. Um, the A lot of that information that he just said, which is 100% correct and true, would never, ever be allowed to be said probably on mainstream media because it would be you are, you know, you're basically pinning everything on the black community. And that's not what it is. What it is is saying this is the reality. Now let's try and fix it. But let's fix it by not losing more lives to crime. Let's fix it by, for instance, what I had told you earlier, Greg. Maybe mm-hmm. let's start yeah. with school choice. Let's start getting those, you know, in these communities and in some of the Hispanic communities, too, and some of the, you know, uh, poor white communities. Let's get school choice in there so that these kids don't grow up to think that they don't have an opportunity to go out and make something of themselves, that they have to stay in these communities and just do what they see and what they have seen for – go ahead. You know what another problem is? you got a population of blacks that want to have a separate black nation in the United States. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about school choice, you got teachers' unions, teachers that's making money off the fact that these kids show up at the building, whether they learn or not, because that's how the pay goes. You, I've even argued with judges that's on the ballot for a circuit court and for appellate court, and they are against school choice. You can see the you can see the correlation, the relationship here. So, yes, you need school choice so that where you have children that come from functional parents can separate their kids from that other environment because mm-hmm. they never will learn. You just sacrifice one kid, one kid, one kid after the other. So you're absolutely yeah. right. That's something that's a contention for a long time. You two are going to have some great chats. I have a feeling this is going to be a, a, an interesting uh, uh, thing as you, as you both get to know each other. Uh, I'm going to bring Jonathan and make his line live, too. Uh, I think, you know, a separate black nation to me just doesn't work in this country because if we start separating, that's, then they win. Uh, but what I would like to see is a separate educational system. I would like to see the government completely out of it. I would abolish all government education, especially at the federal level, because it's not in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It is illegal for the federal government to have anything to do with things that aren't specifically delegated to them. That's what the 10th Amendment's all about. So, so mm-hmm. the fact that we have a Department of Education is blatantly unconstitutional. But we've got Jonathan here. Uh, I'm going to get to his theme a little bit. Um, he's been up for a while, so he gets a theme. Uh, but Jonathan, are you familiar with this cash bail law uh, in Illinois? And I want to introduce you to uh, Jessica Rivera, who's going to be uh, preceding you uh, on the show here. So uh, Jonathan, well, what do you think? Go ahead. Nice to nice to meet uh, meet you. The uh, I'm the, you know the reason of course I'm calling in early is because you always ask me about what you were just talking about um, over the <laughs> yeah, break. You do. Not well, you walk into these firestorms because <laughs> the show's yeah. To, yeah, so I figured I, I'd call in early just so I be ready for the firestorm. But but the, uh, um, but it's not not because you know I want to take take your time. But um, <clears throat> I'm I'm familiar with the the general problem. Um, I haven't studied the exact uh, details. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I believe that, well, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, 
when we talk about these things legally and legal legal um, reform proposals, we're always talking about like a perfect world versus what is what we want it to be. You know, in, in, a, in a perfect world, it would be good if someone, you know, regardless of their their bail status awaiting a trial, if they got appropriately slammed at the trial and, and held accountable for their their crimes, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But of course, they're not. That's not happening either, as far as I can tell. So, um, <clears throat> but I mean, there's there, there's no question that um, that we've got. Uh, Oh, you know, Mad Max after Thunderdome here, where mm-hmm. where people think that they can just do whatever, you know, that, that, that there's no there's no concept of obeying the law because, um, you know, they know they can get away with it and they can. So I think it's a, I mean I think it's it's not only extremely dangerous; it is a complete destruction of the one of the core, probably the core, purposes of of having a government. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, you know the cloud pivot strategy to overwhelm the government. They talk about financially, but but it's another thing. They want they want the, the system to collapse so they can reconstruct it um, as a as a socialist utopia. Yeah, I want to. They're doing a really good job of here. it because. All right, Jessica, do you have time to stick around for a while? Because I'd love to have you stick around for as much <laughs> as hour as you can. Or do you have to go? I just want to make sure we we get that in. So because. You got some time? Because I have a kindergartner, I gotta okay. get I gotta get him going. But I promise that I will make the time um, next yeah. week. I'll, I'll try to extend some of the time. Oh, you don't have to. Mondays. I'm no, 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 to get you fine. for an hour. But if, if there's any contact information or websites or anything you, you want to you know conclude with, and now I'm gonna get on a cloud pivot. I'm curious about that. But uh, catch the podcast, and if you have follow up questions or things like that, feel free to uh, to, to get them in. But uh, this has been a great hour. This first hour has been fabulous. So uh, I'm really looking forward yeah, to our, our future Mondays. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks, uh, same here. Dash. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Jessica. Take care. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I had a finish. All right. I have a feeling she might have to uh, take off at this point. Um, but uh, this is going to – yeah, Jonathan, if you want to call in a little earlier too, um, this is going to be a, just a, a great extension to our report. So let's get your theme. Let's get back on the cloud pivot, and let's talk about all the things that you want to talk about, and we'll be right back. <laughs> what is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people, where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, There is no law, but there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now, to try and make some sense of all this, and use the law as it was meant to be used, to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for The Legal Report with Jonathan Mosley. 
Yeah, so I'll tell you, Jess is going to be a huge addition uh, to the show here. Uh, she's got a ton of broadcast experience, journalism experience, political correspondent experience, and uh, it's just this is this is you know, and so we're going to be able to explore some issues in great detail. So this is going to be fun, and then you get to handle the legal end of it, <laughs> which is also great. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> you, you want to follow up on the cash bail or the cloud proven or. My contention was that this is all by design, that the, the, the left, the Marxists, the communists are, are using criminals to destroy this country um, and, and make the, the honest people fearful uh, so much so that they'll give up their rights and that the communists can move in and say, well, we'll take care of you. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, and cash bail is just part of that or getting rid of cash bail. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, I mean, the thing is, the clout uh, and these are all huge topics, including your opening <laughs> Uh, intro there. I mean, like, I, I, we, we have <laughs> topics, and then you give this opening that, like, invites a, you know, a huge conference on what is the meaning of the law, and I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, but, um, <laughs> we just bit by bit, uh, Jonathan, the, show, show by show, week just, by week. Me, <laughs> we'll get to it. Let me, just, let me just say real quickly that I think, um, oh, yeah, that, um, um, that, the valid, you know, you talk, I mean, because people talk about the state of nature where, you know, every, there is no government, there is, you know, everyone's just on their best behavior. And, but of course, people don't uh, live up to their best behavior. And, and that would mean the law means <clears throat> protecting, you know, or stopping people in the exercise of their own freedom from actually hurting other people. So the law might be, you know, um, a communal effort to make sure that, uh, you know, my, your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and however, you know, probably 99.9% of what we, what our society is considered the law has nothing to do with that. It has to do with um, the rulers uh, having, having us behave the way they think we should behave or what they, mm-hmm. what they think we should do. It's not about protecting anybody you know, protecting person A from person B. It's about the rulers imposing their view of, you know, of, of the way things ought to be upon upon the rest of it. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> so it's a huge question about, you know, what is law? You could go on for weeks in a, you know, faculty seminar. Well, let's just kind of anyway, get us in the um, mood for, for talking. We, you don't, we don't have to take the does. theme and, and, and analyze it, but it, the, really that's, that's the, my the big overall, cloud, that's the, yeah, okay, go ahead. Have, Okay, but the idea with the Cloward-Piven strategy is that they proposed it. You know, we have to be careful. A lot of times that there are labels for groups that that are not things they call themselves. Like, for example, neocons. Um, Originally, that was a slur against the neocons, you know, these young whippersnappers who don't know anything about conservatism. And they're, you know, they're off. And, and, and so, well, so they came, yeah. you know, they hit back with the term paleocon. Um, you know, they attack. <laughs> well, neo is new, right? Doesn't neo mean new? Is it Latin or where does it come yeah. from? And paleo means like, you know, uh, dinosaurs or something or the paleolithic period. Paleo, um, I know what so, that means, yeah. yeah. So, so we have two terms which were launched as insults upon the other. They're not being used huh. by them. They're not, they're not things that people call themselves, although eventually it becomes so widespread that the neocons embrace the term or don't know the difference. But, event, but, but, but we can't think too much about 
about groups or mo- mo- movements or things like that from the label when they didn't pick the label for themselves. Cloud Pivot, even however, is is not other people critic critiquing what's going on. It was openly avowed by uh, Cloward and Pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Pivot. They proposed it, and they're completely open about what they're you know what they're planning to do. I mean, it was it was it was their strategy. It's not somebody else you know trying to impose our interpretation on what the left is doing. It was it was the openly proclaimed goal of these professors that, you know, that the, the United States will never accept socialism unless we, you know, unless, unless the system collapses. And, you know, it goes back to um, Henry Mann, you know, and, and again, I, I, remember, I, I belonged to a church that was sick, that was tuned into a lot of Christian scholarship of America. And they, very scholarly, the red books, the, uh, I forget the ladies, I'm just not good with names. And, and they would go back to a lot of these original sources of socialists mm-hmm. at a time in the, in the 1930s when, when socialism was, was the, you know, it was the new fad. It's like today, you know, you, you, we, we laugh at bell bottoms. There was a time when bell bottoms were cool. That's you know, it, 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 kind I, of ironic, but you know, anyway. Probably, yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying that there are things yeah. that, you have to understand that at the time that people were running around doing these things, it was new and fresh, and it was the latest fad, and it was cool. Right, right. And socialisms were, socialists were very open about their goals because they were writing 100 years ago when socialism was the bright, new, you know, shiny toy of, mm-hmm. of the intellectual elite who <clears throat> actually don't know anything. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they're elite. They're elites only in their own minds, of course. Um, and, um, you know, they're actually morons. But, but, the, but the thing is, is that so, um, they, uh, so we, have to, we have to understand that Cloward, the cloward proliferant strategy is, not, it, it is in their own words. The goal, the goal was to overload and break the welfare system, have chaos ensue, take control in the chaos, implement socialism and communism through government force. Right. It's basically the, the Reichstag fire. Yeah, wasn't it the overload welfare and make uh, government so expensive that the the economy collapses, the government collapses? But the the, the whole premise is wrong though, because you know if uh, if if everything collapses, um, to replace it with a, a totalitarian system, what if people reject the totalitarian system? I said, no, that's not the way. We want our freedom back. That was the solution. You took our freedom, then the the system collapsed. And we want to go back to our freedom. Freedom, excuse me. Well, the the Cloward Pluton strategy is mm-hmm. a reaction to the fact that the American people do reject socialism and communism. Okay. It's fact, I mean, way back way back a hundred years ago, the socialists were writing in um, education deform, which mm-hmm. is when you know they wanted to, to have everybody have a common education, not not universal access to education. They had mm-hmm. to be educated the same way. The same way. And, That's Horace Mann and, and the the the, uh, the 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 what's that? The Prussian model that we have, we've talked about on right. the show before. Right. And he's right. Just, he's just the most notable, the most famous out of a whole movement. But the whole movement was based on the idea that 
that, and like I say, they say, it's not me saying it. It's not critics saying it. It's like they're saying mm-hmm. it in their own words. Oh, yeah. Because they thought, well, so, socialism is wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, and so, so they write things that today they would never dream of putting on paper. Um, but, you know, just like communist, you know, before Stalin, Mm-hmm. The, the, the Soviet Union was, it was this wonderful new experiment and, and everything like that. There, there was a statue in Red Square, I've seen it, of an American revolutionary. Mm. He, he was over there, helped, helped the, the Russian Revolution. You know, John Reed? You know, the, the, was that John the, Reed? So, what? Was that John Reed? I don't Reed? know. I don't remember. I'm not so great with names. Well, but, he was the movie but, but Reds the, with Warren Beatty, and that's exactly what they were talking about, was the Americans that helped, American that helped, uh, helped Lenin. I think it was his name was right. John Reed. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. But then, when, but but then when Stalin came along and was a mm-hmm. monster, mm. now suddenly nobody, now suddenly nobody wants to, you know, everyone's running the other way and burning their papers and trying to erase any evidence that they've had. Any, I'm, I'm talking metaphorically, um, right. uh, that that you know that they have had anything to do with communism or the mm. Soviet Union, and you know, and that that's why. That's why, as Dinesh D'Souza documented so clearly, and when I say Dinesh D'Souza, I mean him orchestrating experts come to come on and 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 uh, and, get, and get you know many experts documenting this um, in his in his past documentaries. That they that's when suddenly communism had to be redefined um, as well. At least fascism had to be redefined as right wing, which is clearly absurd. Because right wing is about small government, limited mm-hmm. government, limited scope, individual rights, uh, small government spending. I mean, there, 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 there. You could not think of a more opposite of, of you know, Nazism or fascism or anything like that. So, so it's a complete lie to try to to try to hide from the historical evidence that socialism and communism and fascism and all these totalitarian uh, movements of the of the left are are so are not just wrong, are not just unacceptable, but horrific, and so, and so the whole thing's a big lie. No, this is a fascination so, for me because I'm always I'm always wondering where this came from. That uh, that the left suddenly you know tried to convince people that 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 Stalin was left wing and and Hitler was right wing. No, they're not. It's just left wing on left wing violence. It's it's a it's a you know it's right. the communists versus the, the the Nazis. You know, and the fascists were uh, the Italian version. Yeah. Those who study the revolutionary left in detail, historically, you know, in historical detail, have always said that there is there, there's no more vicious um, uh, hatred between groups and, and outright violence than between two you know, between leftist movements trying to occupy the same space. Charlottesville, so, you know, so that the, that's what Charlottesville the, the violence. You had two leftist groups. Well, Charlottesville, and they always try to blame that on on Trump supporters. Right. And so he had two leftist groups that were that met at Charlottesville. That's where the well, violence were, came from. There were, it, it was a cattle call. There were lots of different groups, but yes, they they um you know so to the fact that say um, Hitler and Stalin were at different points in time. I mean, they eventually, you know, joined forces to invade Poland and start World War II. But the but the but the idea that they were antagonistic in simplistic minds means they must have opposite beliefs. And the historical truth is the opposite is true. It's because they are so much alike yeah. that they can't both exist. One, one, of the, one, of them has to, one of them has to die out 
Um, you know, so they're, they're fighting for the same space. And, and um, but yeah, but it's the big lie, of course. But what I was trying to get to was that, because I was in the education department for five years, and I was with groups that studied this stuff very extensively, including Phyllis Schlafly's group that my mom belonged to, Eagle Forum. And um, the socialists were quite open about the fact that the American people would never accept socialism. We had, they, we had, you know, we meaning the education reformers, the, the deformers, um, you know, not the parasite. I mean, not the, not the teachers of a hundred years ago, but the, but the, mm-hmm. the parasites trying to, to destroy a, a education policy and, um, and, and everything like that. They, uh, you know, they openly discussed in writing that they had to dumb down the American people before they would ever accept socialism. The only right. they, they had they had to use the schools, and this has been going on for a hundred years, um, at least. Um, that you know that they had to indoctrinate and dumbify the, uh, the 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 American school children if there was any hope of getting socialism <coughs> here in the United States. And despite all their efforts and indoctrination and how they have poisoned their children, they still haven't <laughs> been able to pull it off. <coughs> So then, they, so then the Cloward, Piven, Cloward and Piven, they came up with this strategy, which is a reaction to the fact that they had failed to get the American people to accept socialism, and and you know thrashing about how can we how can we get this socialist utopia where everybody dies and people starve, <laughs> and it's, a, it's just wonderful, you know, it's just a yeah. wonderful oh, utopia. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. They they they, they to, to get to this. You know where the ends justify the means that it all costs. They they came up with this idea. Well, we have to crash the system. Okay. And you know, but that's a reaction to their utter failure to convince the American people that the American people really want to be socialists, but they just don't know it yet. Well, his so, question too: yeah. uh, Have they dumbed down the mm-hmm. teachers? I mean, are they purposely recruiting dumbed down teachers to create dumbed down oh, kids? Oh, of course. Okay. They took over the teacher tra- there are there are teacher training institutions, you know. There are faculties or departments and, and standalone things that, that train teachers, and so they have they have invaded like you know an invasive species like a you know a a, a foreign invader parasite into a, a into a American um, nature. Um, mm-hmm. You know they 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 have they have thoroughly corrupted the, the training of teachers. Because you have, to have an education degree to teach in in the, the elementary and the high schools and the junior highs, but in college you just have you have to have a, a degree in your field. So college is different. They don't require an education degree to teach in college. It's yeah, only the but, lower but, grades. But if you're if you want to go into, uh, I mean, <clears throat> what's legally required as a license, mm-hmm. and what is going to help you get a job are two different things. Okay. So if you're going to try to get a job as a professor in a in a college, you may not mm-hmm. be legally required that you have this or that license, but you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna want to show more to compete for that job. Okay. And of course, once once I mean the you know in the '60s and and early '70s, the the whack jobs um, that drove sane people to the Republican Party, having nothing to do with race. Um, they, um, you know, they were 
burning down and, and, and protesting and doing sit-ins against the faculty. Mm-hmm. Then they took, then they became the faculty mm-hmm. and now they're, they're only going to hire um, other lunatics like them in the colleges. So, you know, so if you are, if you are, if you are, if you would be a stellar candidate a hundred years ago, you're not eligible because you're not, you're not a communist um, sympathizer. Well, I mean, not just sympathize. It's educational inbreeding is what it is. <laughs> and we know, what that, we know yeah. what that results in. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay. And so now there are those who have the theory, um, mm-hmm. which may be explanatory, but it's not really hard. It's not the hard facts that perfect, Professions like teachers always suffer from um, an inferiority complex that they're not as um, that, that I don't know that that their profession is too is perceived as being too easy. So they're always falling for the latest fads that huh. <clears throat> try try to upgrade their their clout and self importance and things like that, like new math and and you know all all these kind. You know, oh, I had that, that in mean, school. Oh, God, yeah, it's not me. enough. Wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's not enough for them to just to teach. They mm-hmm. have to they have to upgrade it to some higher level of, of sophistication. And in the process, they keep falling for all these goofy fads, um, like the idea that, for example, that <clears throat> teachers are going to be psychiatrists for their children. You know, the teachers right. are like, well, what am I supposed to do if a child comes to me and asks me about my sexuality? Well, why the hell would they be doing that? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to be telling, you know, they should be asking you about, you know, about the history lesson. I mean, what the hell? What what, what do you write the teacher about that? (laughs) I mean, no, who does that? Never never came up. (laughs) I mean, mean, and and if it did, the the teacher should say, you know what? I'm not licensed as a psychiatrist. I'm going to go to jail if I I pretend to be a psychiatrist without a license. If I put out a shingle saying, you know, John Mosley, psychiatric help, and they come to you and say, John, do you have a license for that? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, could you turn around and, uh, you know, put your hands behind your back? Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, and I know, you know, the thing is, I, I know people like in the construction industry who have been prosecuted for mm-hmm. not having a license. Um, you know, so yes, Brand, does Brandon happen. doesn't have a license. He was never elected. Why, why didn't we get him out of the White House? He's he's practicing, <laughs> you know, president. He's practicing uh, being a president with a, you know, without the credentials. I, just a side well, note. shall we transition to the the oh, fun less. point of the? Uh, yes, <laughs> so I was trying to find this this out. Um, uh-huh. So the Libertarian Party, and I've always I've always respected the Libertarian Party, but you know they kind of like they they kind of. Um, love to fight amongst themselves and yeah. uh you know they're so they're so they're so determined to the idea that nobody should have you know power over anybody that i can only imagine what a libertarian chapter meeting is like um <laughs> and uh so so they don't necessarily you know for them to actually do something is i'm very i'm very surprised but mm. but they are they are suing um to have to have uh Mitch McConnell and and Brandon um, appointed. Uh, they, they say conservatorship, but I'm not sure that's the right the right guardianship. Term, maybe 
I think it's probably something yeah, like, but like uh, who's that singer? The, the Britney Spears. Remember when she, she yeah, Britney Spears, exactly right. was, Yeah, yeah, it was a guardianship. Um, okay. So, so now a, guard, a conservatorship is different, um, and it, it's harder to get a guardianship than a conservatorship. Um, and I think that one. I think that they. I believe that uh, Britney Spears. What are you doing is, in the background? Uh, <laughs> you got it. Are you making yeah, I'm breakfast? Making coffee. Well, I can hear everything. It's hysterical. Um, anyway, go. And Pianchi had a well, point. We'll get yeah, back I to. Have I'm a, sure. I have a. I have a phone that's designed to pick up everything except me. Um, <laughs> it like uh, it, it picks up. It picks up everything else that it shouldn't. Uh, but it. Right. Um, okay. You know, a, a good yeah. microphone. A good mm-hmm. microphone. Sh- and I and I did this for my church. Should you know? Should be um, focused. It should be. It should have a a a, a cone uh, mm. of sensitivity that would mine you know, does emphasize my my yeah, yeti mine, blue mine, mic that I mine, use mine, on the mine, show. Yeah, mine does the reverse. Oh, okay. um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> so anyway, so Britney Spears, I believe, had a conservatorship, oh, okay. but but they but her father would like control the money over things that weren't just about money. He would like, mm-hmm. you know, say, I'm going to cut you off if you, um, um, I don't know, if you don't use birth sing. control or some, yeah. some, some really intrusive Do thing Do a concert. Like Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. so the thing is, a conservatorship technically is just about somebody who can't handle their money, but hmm. who, um, but it is not controlling their life. That's a good you know, right? it, it, it gives the conservator power over their financial affairs and decisions right. and their property, but not over their body hmm. and their health or their life. A, a guardian is for somebody who is completely unable to, um, to handle anything. That, that so would be it's easier to get a, yeah. Well, yes, it's easier to get a conservatorship. However, um, I think the guardian is a, is a, is a more accurate fit, even though it's harder to, uh, to do. Now, the thing is, I couldn't find out whether the Libertarian Party um, has actually filed, because in one place they say that, they're, that they're, they're looking for a D.C. probate attorney to, um, to help them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not clear if they're just floating the idea or if they've actually filed something. <clears throat> and the other thing is, is that of course, obviously, it, 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 this situation isn't exactly what, um, it isn't exactly, you know, fit anything that's ever been done before. Um, but they, well, they, we do that all the time. Argue, <laughs> that's, that's, that's no problem. We're used to that. Right. But they, first of all, I think that they're, they're trying to um, do it in the District of Columbia probate court which is where these things should be done for somebody in D.C. I question that because I think um, while these two um, dinosaurs work in D.C., they maintain, you know, their home is in Kentucky for Mitch McConnell, and I think they should add Dianne Feinstein in California right. and, um, <clears throat> and uh, Joe Biden in uh, Delaware. Now, of course, no Delaware court, you know, um, you know, all, all, it, anyone who's a, who's a Biden or connected to the Biden, this is automatically, you know, the court 
you know, the judge is, is required to like bow down and scrape and, and, uh, and whip themselves and, and right. give the Bidens whatever they want. Um, so I don't really think that a, a Delaware court is going to, is going to be very receptive, but, uh, and of course, you know, everybody's asking like, are you just doing this as a stunt? And it's like, you know, oh no, no, no I'm not doing it as a stunt. Oh no. Uh, but you know, but you, I mean, as long as there's valid grounds for something and if it makes a point, you can't mm-hmm. do, you can't do something in the court that has no valid basis for it. Hmm. But you know, if, if it, if 90% of the outcome is, I mean, the thing is, is, is it a stunt? Well, could it potentially work? Yeah, it could possibly work. Um, so it's, it's a valid lawsuit, but you know, the chances I mean, the reasons why it's not going to work have nothing to do with the law. They have to do with the fact that our systems are corrupt. Um, so asking somebody to do what they ought to do, knowing that they're not going to do what they ought to do, is a per, you know is a is the failing of the of the system, not the failing not not that that you're doing something improperly as a stunt. But yes, it's a stunt um, to some extent. So so if they brought it in Delaware, then. Uh, and, you know, it's inevitably going to be thrown out for non-legal reasons, for political reasons. Um, well, you know, you still, you still get your bite at the, you know, you still get your, your day in the sun. Um, <clears throat> so, so I don't think they should do it in D.C. because these, the people are not, are not citizens of D.C. They still vote in their home, in their home states. Um, I think they should add Diane Feinstein. I think, uh, now the thing is, is that um, they have made the argument about the fact that they are harmed by the by this problem, hmm. and they could probably find other people who have stronger claims to, to having been individually harmed. For example, the January 6 people who are in jail because you know, um, and, you know, because Joe Biden, you know, is, um, just believes this nonsense. Um, and has made speeches. Joe Biden is not just, I mean, he's saying, well, that sounds far-fetched. No, he's gone up there, uh, you know, he has condemned them from the podium as president and given marching orders to his, to his, his government. But, so they, they argue that, that they're different from just any average person in asking for, you know, so suppose a total stranger came along and wanted to uh, have a guardian appointed for me. And, you know, the natural question would be, well, who are you? Um, but, um, you know, if somebody said, well, look, you, you like ran into me in a car accident and you totaled my car and you obviously don't have a clue, you know, what you're doing, you know, where you are, then they might have, they might have a, 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 a case. So, um, so, no, but I think it's hysterical. But the, but the thing is, I mean, you know, like I think I mentioned, and my, my father was one of the most wonderful people. Um, you know, wonderful men who's ever lived. Um, but at his at his end, with dementia and, and things, whatever it was, I mean, there's a whole family of similar issues. Um, they, uh, <coughs> he, um, you know, they, he loved war movies, and he was in mm-hmm. the Korean War. He loved. He, he he just probably seen every war movie a hundred times, and so my sister put on. Um, I think uh, Midway, and he was just panicky. He was, he was 
it was terrible because the, the, the pictures of the airplane strafing right. the, the base or whatever, he couldn't tell that it wasn't real. Now, he's oh, he thought he was under attack, yeah. Times. Yeah, didn't matter. He sound, he, he, he's, I mean, these are movies he'd seen a thousand times. He could, you know, he could tell you by, by memory when he, was, mm-hmm. when he was well. But by the, by the time he was going downhill... You know, he he wanted everyone to get down in the basement. Now she didn't have a basement, yeah. and and the planes weren't. You know, the plane it was a movie. So my point is, what makes you think Joe Biden isn't going to get up tomorrow morning and suddenly decide we need to launch nuclear missiles at, say, you know, Germany or you know Brazil or some crazy thing, much less Russia. I mean, I mean, someone, someone in his deteriorating condition, if he can just stand back from a distance and say, oh, isn't that too bad? No, he, he, could, or he could get us into a war because mm-hmm. he can't tell the difference between fantasy and reality. Well, that's why he's the perfect person for the folks that are actually running the government. You know, I was going to do a, one of the things I want to talk to Jessica about is investigating Obama's role in COVID and the mandates and the policies and the lockdowns and, and everything else that happened. That's never really been explored. Uh, but, it, you know, there's a, there's a meme that's going around of, uh, of uh, Harris and, uh, and Biden uh, on puppet strings, and they're held by Obama, whose puppet strings are held by Soros. You know, it makes me wonder who Soros' puppet strings are held by. But the thing is, he, he's the perfect person. This is why Democrats want him, because he will say whatever the people behind the scenes can't say because they could be held accountable, but he can't be held accountable because we know he doesn't know what he's saying and therefore it's okay. Even though what he's saying is horrible. It's this weird contradiction and people are making allowances for someone that couldn't be there, shouldn't be there. And where's the 25th amendment? You know, why do we need, how come the libertarian party isn't pushing for that? Because that would actually remove it right now. But the thing is the 25th amendment cannot be invoked um, by, by someone outside of government. It has has to to be be done by Congress. No, it has to be it has to be invoked by well let me let me check it I should say but it's most commonly by the vice president together oh. with the well that's not happening <laughs> right unless it was Mike Pence Mike Pence would have done it to Trump because Mike Pence is a traitor but uh, Kamala Harris is on board with the the government's stoogery right and you can't um, I mean, it, and it, even if every even if every crazy lunatic thing that Mike Pence believed were true, right. um, it doesn't fit. Um, I mean, Section Three. I'm reading. Whenever the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate, remember, the Senate has a president, right. and the vice president can step in and run the Senate. But when the vice president, you know, goes to Ukraine to shake de- shake them down, um, the president <laughs> pro temp- the right. president pro tempore is actually running the Senate. So you know the, the 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 vice president does not have to be in Washington for the Senate to, to operate. But the, but well, the I thought he could only be there for a, a, a tie vote, but uh, they're not actually a member of the Senate because I argue this too because uh, they're using uh, Kamala Harris as a as a as being vice president uh, as a voting member of the Senate, you know, which is only for ties. But they're saying because of, of her membership that the Democrats have a majority. But you can't use the vice president in terms of party membership. Well, the vice the vice president is not a member, right? But he does preside, which of course which of course has 
interesting parallels for like getting, say, Newt Gingrich to be speaker, even though he's not a member yeah. of the House. Yeah, you don't have to be a member to be speaker. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and you don't have to be a mem- you don't have to be a member of the Senate to to preside over it. And in, in a in a you know train what's what's the word you know the 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 switching stations you know making the train oh transfer yeah yeah no and you don't have to they, be you know, a lawyer to be on the Supreme Court which I think is interesting too right but I mean there's a difference between being the president of the Senate just makes the trains run on their their respective tracks. Right. He, he does not. He does not supposed to, um, <clears throat> you know, vote. As hmm. pre, I mean, they don't vote as as president of the house. They 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 vote because they're a member. Um, but this, but it's different. So when 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 the vice president steps in to 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 stand stand in the well, he he takes over as president of the Senate, but hmm. he's not a voting member. Except to vote, except where it specifically um, says that he, he breaks the tie. But okay. but but anyway. So whenever the vice president, section four, whenever the vice, and it's worth taking a, a footnote here to do this because uh-huh. it is sure. part of all this. Section four. Whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments, which is what we now would call, the, you know, it, it's intriguing that when they wrote these things our modern terminology and our modern structure was not what exactly what they had in mind. So they call them this, what, what today we would call the secretaries of the departments. They call the principal officers of the executive departments. Okay, like the cabinet? Or, and, That's what we're talking about, right? Yes, the cabinet? The cabinet. Uh, okay. but, but they didn't use those terms in the original Constitution. Right. Or such other body as Congress may law provide. Transmit the president pro tempo of, of the Senate and the Speaker of the House their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Mm-hmm. The, and that doesn't mean we don't like what he's doing. Um, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. Thereafter, when the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House, his written declaration that no inability exists, he shall huh? resume the power. I mean, this is... Um, <laughs> well, that's a check and balance. You, you could, I, I'd so love to is... see an episode of... Uh, yeah. Of uh, you know of a TV show like that. So so the thing is, is that they can't just remove him because they don't like him. Now well, that's um, a good thing. They would have removed Trump on those said, grounds. Although it says thereupon Congress shall decide the issue, hmm. the assembling within 48 hours. So if if you know if the cabinet and the vice president say he cannot discharge his duties, and he comes back and says, yeah, I can. Now Congress convenes to decide what's going on. That would be. Hmm. I, this, I, 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 I just looked up the amendment. This is from February of 1967. So they weren't using old terms then. This, this is a modern amendment. 25th yeah, Amendment is fairly recent. I don't. I mean, I, I, I. Okay. So I can't explain why they why they don't use the modern terminology. Um, I, I don't. You know. Who knows? It must be a form thing. Yeah. Okay. Maybe because it's never. Maybe because secretary has not, has not been introduced in the previous parts of the Constitution. But I know I they, mean, they use Supreme Court judge. justice and Constitution says judge. So you know, I mean, the, the, it's very arbitrary which terms they use. Apparently, I don't know. It would have been helpful. I mean, the statutes. Yeah. There are statutes about these things that do talk uh-huh. about secretary. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so 
the Libertarian Party is moving to file for conservatorships for President Biden and Senator McConnell, uh, according to the New York Sun, saying their age and mental confusion make them unfit mm-hmm. to serve in public office and control the nation's purse strings. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Angela McCardle is the chairwoman. Um, and, um, you know, but as of September 14th, um, they were consulting with attorneys. Now, like I say, nothing about this is precedented, but so what? Um, and, but, but, you know, like I say, most attorneys are weenies, um, especially Republican attorneys. Um, they, uh, oh, yeah. you know, most Republican attorneys would be like, please, Massa, can I file a lawsuit that goes against the <laughs> liberal... Um, you know, I, I, you know, I bow and scrape. This and, must be genetic. Uh, there's something wrong here that the entire Republican, you know, the gelding old party, as I call them, the GLP, uh, that all of them, you know, and even someone that I, I you know, I, I support my own Congressman Matt Gates, you know, has not filed a real bill to do anything about any of this stuff, you know, to, to cancel all the funding for the Department of Justice, for example, or to, uh, you know, remove the White House budget or take away Air Force One. I mean, you know, we need to isolate Brandon, you know, give him as little power as possible because we all know that everything he does is illegal. Everything the entire administration does is illegal. There isn't an administration. We are without a government right now. We have a non-government, you know, and so, but the weenies, the weenies won't even talk about that. They won't even do anything about it. That's how well, I, I just saw something. I just saw something on Facebook, which, which uh-huh. I think ha- has to do with somebody has a photograph of a horse tied to a, a flimsy uh plastic chair mm-hmm. and um so um they uh um you know and the point being that ha- people will restrict themselves based on habit yep where where they you know they 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 you know they they we start out being small enough that they, and there's the same thing with a with a elephant they'll put a stake in the ground that a full-grown elephant could easily pull out of the ground. Mm -hmm. But when the elephant was, was a baby, it, the, the, the stake and the, and the, whatever they put around the the, the leg Mm -hmm. was strong enough to hold, to hold him. Now he's strong. Now he's strong enough that it can't hold him anymore. And, um, but he's, he's grown accustomed to, uh, to 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 the limita- to a limitation that really doesn't limit him. Yeah, we had um, another issue. If you want to tie this one up, uh, Wisconsin election case that you mentioned yes. also. All right, thank you. So, mm-hmm. oh God, time flies. That's my job. You, you already you got... pulled me over for what? the last in the last hour. So anyway, <laughs> we have the Wisconsin Supreme Court <laughs> as a follow-up to a previous um, decision has ruled that drop boxes. Election drop boxes are um, are not legal under the under uh, now. The, where were they in twenty twenty? Well, see that. Oh, you can't, don't. You know, shame on you. You can't. Oh, uh, you, you're not allowed to draw conclusions. Um, I, I I studied this thing just like what happened in Pennsylvania. Now in Pennsylvania, I think the Constitutional Court also ruled that Constitutional um, Court that. What's Something a like that. Court? No, it was a common, Commonwealth Court, I guess it was. Okay. Um, All right. That they, that they, that they um, 
that the uh, vote by mail procedures were um, were illegal, and then the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania stepped in finally and kind of um, said, "Well, blah 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 blah." You know, not not so much. They didn't. I don't. I don't recall that they gave a clear answer. They just sort of like, you know, what what. Um, you know what what's going on you know they 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 muddied the waters but we showed with a press release from um action radio right and by the numbers because the votes were illegal and everybody told them they were illegal and long oh, before we declared trump election. won remember, remember so we did we declared yeah. trump won pennsylvania yeah trump trump did trump won pennsylvania now yeah. the thing is is that the illegal votes Remember, it's not like somebody said after we lost, like, oh, let's just start saying that they were illegal. No, no, everybody told them months, like six months, eight months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. It's not legal. Mm-hmm. And, and it's grounds for fraud. And sure enough, they did it. And so now you just got to face the fact that those votes were illegal. And um, um, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to, are well, they going to revoke the... Even then, they said, like, like we argued that if they were illegal in 2022, they were illegal in 2020. Yeah. So we're the, one, we're the only ones who said, uh, excuse me, <laughs> uh, could we just, you know, complete the circle here? Um, <laughs> same, thing with, same thing with Wisconsin, right. that um, nobody wants to talk about the fact that <clears throat> the fact that um, yeah, Brandon Locke um, there too. This was illegal in 2020. Yeah. So now the thing is, is I cannot find, uh, unlike Pennsylvania, where they clearly um, they clearly counted the different categories. Uh-huh. Um, there were about two million, I think 2.1 million um, absentee ballots in 2022. I, I think 3.2 million. Um, cast, hmm. but they did not apparently, or they don't want to tell us. I even went to the Wisconsin election website. They apparently don't really want you to know how many of those absentee ballots were put in the mail, which is really not much better in terms of election integrity, or were dropped in the drop boxes. Now, the was, was you know the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that the wording of the language means that you either mail it which, of course, is ridiculous, or you present it in person. And they said, when you drop it in a drop box, there's no person. You have to present it to the clerk. And and they said, dropping it in a drop box is not presenting it to the clerk, and it's not in person. So so drop boxes are illegal. Even though it's just as bad to, to, you know, to have you have... um, you know, reckless procedures by mail, but, but this is just what they did. So as a result, people put absentee ballots <clears throat> in the drop box instead of in the mailbox. Now, this is silly. I mean, this is getting, would you run a country like this? Um, well, but, and and know, they didn't you, check the signatures, and they didn't verify, and they just counted. So, I mean, this is all part of the plan. Well, right. This is, that, this is the vote That's part. all right. true, too. Right. We've we got to take our, our wins where we can. So uh, Trump... Uh, Trump supposedly lost by 20,600 votes. Hmm. They won't tell you how many of the votes were in the drop boxes because they don't really, you know, they, 
they're hoping you're not going to notice. Um, where there are 500, there were, well, I've got two different reports. Uh, NPR local says 570. Um, the, uh, I think Reuters, I, I trust a little more, says there were 528 drop boxes. Huh. Um, well, that were. Well, was there an order to this? Did the did the Wisconsin Supreme Court order that uh, uh, that the ballots be tossed out? Did they say you can't do it again? Did they, was there any result of this? What did they say? What was the, what was the conclusion? Um, the, the, the structure of the case and of the order. Remember, judges judges decide what you ask them to decide, oh. unless they don't want to, in which case they rewrite the U.S. Constitution and re, re, rearrange all of America. <laughs> Like yeah, it. and I, I'm suspicious but, of judicial orders, as we know. I mean, this is, but I'm, I'm just curious right, what the, but, what they actually, uh, what what action did they? Well, but uh, in, in theory, in theory, mm-hmm. they only decide what you ask them, and what okay. we, unless they don't, in which case, you know, they rewrite American society. Um, but but they um, they present it as the question was in the next upcoming election, can they use Dropbox? Now I can understand the lawyer saying, look. The more we ask for, the harder it is for them to say it. You know, the, the more modest our ask, the better our chance of getting it. Yeah, but you know what? But you know what? Illegality is just because you're afraid to ask. I mean, just because you might. That's like when they it, said, "Well, we we don't want the Second Amendment before the Supreme Court. They might rule against us." Well, they can't unless they amend the Constitution, which they can't do either. So, what are these people afraid of? They're I mean, just afraid. Um, okay. But but the thing is, I mean. Um, well, with the Supreme Court, it's a little easier to count noses before, and you say, we don't have the votes. Let's wait until we have the votes. But yeah. anyway, so <laughs> if there are 528 uh, absentee ballot drop boxes across Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, it would only take an average of 39 per box mm-hmm. to, to erase Biden's margin of, alleged margin of victory, margin of theft. Wow. Um, it would, you know, so if there were an average of through the entire election season in, in, in the general election of 2020, if only 39 people per box uh, dropped their, their absentee ballot box, then that would equal around 20,600 20, votes. Um, and so um, it would have, you know, so if this, if this, or if, I mean, the fact that clearly it's impossible for this to be mm-hmm. illegal in 2024 but legal in 2020 i mean there are times when it could be but not here i mean none of those reasons apply here so trump won wisconsin clearly um and and of course the reason why absentee ballots or boxes are so problematic is because because well isn't it convenient for the voter to just drop in the box how do you know it's the voter you know, how, how and do you we don't have to make we don't have to make voting convenient. You, you don't have to go to superhuman things. That'd be like saying just because we have a Second Amendment, we have to give everybody a gun so they can exercise their their rights. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the voting. You know thing, what's and wrong the, with absentee ballots? Go ahead, Bianchi. And then I got one more. I got a point to make on for John before he goes. Yeah, it, go ahead. It's because they come under control of fifty different states. Federal government has nothing to do with that. No jurisdiction over absentee ballots. That's true. And well, what the parties are national. The, the Democrat Party is a national thing, and they coordinated the absentee ballots. 
So it may well, not they, be. They, they, the federal, no, they, they don't coordinate the. Well, I, I mean, in theory, they don't coordinate the rules. They coordinate the response, the the, the activity. But yes. Okay. okay. All right. But, but, but what's, well, what, what do you think? How do you think that happens? I mean, what do you think is the significance? Well, the significance is that states have a right over the control of their election. Now, the Congress can control that federal ballot, but they let the states include it. And that's there, in fact, lies the problem because you've got illegals voting in state and local. And they can just scoot on up to the top of the ballot and put marks alongside the federal candidates. You know, you say that the United States won't become a socialist country. Yes, it will. You keep admitting people into the country who's coming from social backgrounds. They never will lose that. Well, that's that's why they're here. Yeah. Right. I, I want to do well, one, I mean, I one, one, you, Go ahead, Jonathan. I mean, quick thing. But, I mean, the, the issue being that, you know, people may have to give up, you know, wa- wa- watching a football game and go down and, and, and help work with um, um, <clears throat> work, work with, you know, with local elections. And we do have this fetish for federal elections, and we ignore, as, as I think he's saying, we, we ignore the fact that um, ignore the fact that the um, that that uh, local elections matter. You know, so so we have this fetish that the only the only time people might consider turning off the football game to go do something is for a national election or to do something about the Supreme Court judges when a lot of these decisions are being made locally and nobody cares so the people can do whatever they want. Hmm. We did uh, a show last week and Pianchi was a huge part. We spent at least an hour on this on the, the Brandon and Trump electors, the dual slates of electors and Michigan and Wisconsin are two of those states. And Pianchi asked me to, to sort of calculate some numbers. And I don't know, Pianchi, if you were here when I did that, because I went over it last week, but uh, electoral count, Pennsylvania has 20. Um, Michigan has 16. Georgia has 16. So all Trump needed, you know, was 38 more electors. So if you take Pennsylvania and either Georgia or, or Michigan and any other state of the seven battleground states, because all he needs is two more, uh, Trump's president. And so it's, this is still out there. And so the courts, one of the things that they didn't do was it sounds like they didn't you know, call for a recount without the, the, the absentee ballots. They didn't call for anything that w- or they didn't uh, you know, say to the state legislatures, you know, you guys, you know, Pick the, the Trump electors. Those are the ones that we're going to go by. We're revoking the Brandon electors because the governor and the secretary of state can't do that. It's not their, it's not their call. The Constitution gives that to the, to the state legislature. So it looks like they, they once again have abdicated um, their, their duty to abide by the Constitution. And the, the dual slate of elector states, of which Wisconsin's won, uh, and the fact that Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania got together, that's it. Trump gets over 38 electors by quite a bit. And technically... It's his term. So how come they didn't do that? Well, you know, in, in the 2020 election, you had so much that was going wrong. One, you had a media that was seeding people as if Trump was standing up on a giant podium. Yeah, but this was after the 2020 election. We're, we're talking about the electors that were selected you know, during the election. But even afterwards, they had December 5th, 14th when the electors voted. 
and a lot of that was, was fraudulent. A lot of them were, were barred from even voting. You had uh, Mike Pence, who was duty-bound to send the dual slates back. You had January 6th, where Congress was duty-bound to question um, all the battleground state electors and make a decision which ones they were going to pick. Uh, of course, they went for Biden because that was what the coup was all about. So there were three chances. And, and now we've got another chance where the court could have said, you know, that uh, or did some kind of recount, did the schedule, something like that, or, or sent it back to the state legislature and said, look, you, get two, you still have two slates of electors. You know, you should have the option to to go with the Trump ones or the uh, uh, the Brandon ones, given the new information on these illegal votes. And, and they didn't and, do and it. And let me say, before we run out of time, yeah, let me just say, yeah, ahead, the consequence yeah. that, that one of the enormous consequences of this, burying mm-hmm. the lead um, till the end, is that this impacts the prosecutions of Trump and others? Okay. Because you know, because they're supposed they're supposedly having these fake electors and and and, and saying that the, the election was stolen. When they're the only real ones. We're finding out. We're finding out little by little that yes, it was stolen, and yes, courts are ruling that way, and, and yes, it was it. You know, <clears throat> Trump was absolutely correct. Trump and and all the other people to say right. that the election was invalid. So. I mean, in, in, a, in, a, in an honest system, the cases against Trump would be thrown out. Yeah, but this is an honest system. This is a system so against Trump because he gets in the way of their system. And the courts, right. they, the courts have failed along the way. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as Dorothy checks in. But the courts have failed along, along the way. Supreme Court, you know, was, was constitutionally mandated to take the Texas case. There she is. Uh, the, the courts were legally mandated to, to look at the evidence, and they refused. All along the way, the courts have completely abdicated their duties. And this, all these judges should be thrown off for, for, for completely uh, abdicating the Constitution. So let me get a last comment from both of you, then I'll, then I'll move on to Dorothy here. But we need to pick this up more next week because those, those Trump electors are still there. And it's the one thing that the Democrats yeah. have over their heads that they're trying to get rid of any way possible. Let's go Pianchi, then Jonathan. Pianchi, why don't you start? And then I'll let Jonathan tell well, me about Dorothy. I know, I, uh-huh. I know people was expecting the courts to, to say one way or the other, but the courts, that's not really the court's responsibility. They're supposed to go back to the state legislatures. But, that, but the court responsibility is to send them back. That's, that's what I'm saying. The courts were, were duty-bound to send the electors back to the state legislatures because that's what the Constitution says. Yeah, I agree with that. But here's another point, too. You okay. got another big factor that's going on in this country is that people don't have the slightest idea how this works, and they react to what the news media shows them. Yep, agreed. Jonathan? Yeah, no, I mean, you're assuming that court the judges actually know the Constitution, but the... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, what was but, I thinking? <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that um, if... Um, <clears throat> Oh, now, now I think so. I mean, so the the thing, is, yeah, the, the judges. I mean, nobody knows how a judge makes a decision because it happens without deliberation in private and chambers right. usually right. things like that. But 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 there's you know there's a lot of speculation about the fact that they read the newspaper too, and they're afraid of what you know uh, of political things that you know judges are political animals far more than mm-hmm. they want to admit. But then, on the other hand, the state legislatures aren't aren't much better. You, right. you say that you know should the state legislature, and again, they, okay, I mean this is pathetic. They hide behind the idea that like, oh, we can't call ourselves into session. Oh, like that, the hell you can't. <laughs> um, so you know, so they're saying, well, yeah, but somebody has, you know, 
would somebody just do that for us? You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they have a Democrat governor who's not going to, or a rhino governor who's not going to call them into session. But, you, but, but it is their job. It is their role under the, under the Constitution. And they should, have, they should have said, look, at least we should look at this. Come on, let's, let's, have a, let's have a hearing, let's have a session, and like, figure out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the fact, I mean, because they're weaning. They're afraid of, you know, somebody might say something mean about them in the newspaper. And um, we, that's, that's one of the reasons why w- when I helped and, and Action Radio is one of the friends of the court and Judge Thomas referred, you know, ever so briefly to our, our brief, but I'll be also picked up some of the issues, to why, why we tried so hard to say this is a federal function. Because they could say that, I mean, because the, the Constitution has delegated to the state legislature a federal role, not a state law rule role and so the idea that like uh, our con- we have to wait until we're called into session or, or meet in the regular times not when you're not when you're fulfilling a duty imposed upon you by the u.s constitution yeah. you can say well, yeah look we have a duty to do this we're going we're coming into session because it's not state business it's federal business yeah, we need to pick this up next week. Uh, I'm just going to hold you up here. This is this is fascinating. But the Trump electors, you know, that that is the one thing the Democrats fear. That's the one thing that can throw Brandon out of office. Let's hold it there, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, this is I love Mondays. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Uh, Jonathan Pianki, uh, we'll get to you guys uh, a little later. Let's get to uh, Dorothy. All right. Well, welcome Dorothy, and uh, talk to you later. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it, but. Are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. And a welcome break it is. <laughs> I'll tell you, that, that last hour was, was, was crazy. And the hour before that, we have a new uh, reporter, uh, Jessica Rivera. And, and she, she has you know, uh, quite an extensive broadcast journalism career already. And so we're very lucky to have her. I don't know if you heard the first hour, but check it out on the podcast. But between Jessica uh, and Jonathan, you know, it's been pretty intense here already. So I, I love having you on. So now we can, I, can, I can get a break. I can talk about different stuff. It's just so much fun. Mm. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, on, um, I'm on a very interesting, like, tumultuous sort of journey in my life right now. So it's full Are of, we all? Full of adventure. What, what's your and, tumult? Tell me your tumult. Is that a word? Just life. Just choice. Just every, every day it seems very different, and there's a lot huh. of unexpected. Every, all of my relationships are shifting and changing. I, I guess this has been happening for a while. You know why? I feel you? like my life is just full of very new experiences, mm-hmm. and um, nothing is very is, is staying the same. So it's it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now that uh, it's not that uh, you're, you know, the relationships are changing because you're changing. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is directly you. I mean, people people tend to stay the same 
And if one person changes, uh, we should talk about that in relationships anyway, because, you know, mm-hmm. if you have two people growing and they accept each other's growth, different though it be, that's okay. But if one person grows and the other doesn't, and they want everything exactly the same, you know, it's like the, the husband says, I want you exactly the way you were when I married you. Well, and she might be 25, and now she's 55, and she's different. You know, it doesn't work that way. This happens and all so, the time. In fact, so I have a dear changing. friend who yeah. I have a dear friend who I met prior to his divorce. Um, you know, there's some people you meet, and you just immediately have a lot in common. He recruits mm-hmm. for trade for trade schools, and you know, I have three boys, and we talked about trade schools and the changing education needs for kids, and blah blah. Got to huh. talking about my specialty with his relationships and intimacy and sexuality. Right. Um, I somehow how always find a way to to get there in conversation. Well, I hope so. <laughs> and he was. Because uh, I'll come back to that anyway. So yeah. yeah. He was. He got married when she was 21, and he was 29. And he had done quite a few things with his life that she had only lived with her family in a um, a different country Ooh. where women live with their family until they until they get married, which is all beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, her However. growth and development was very different than his, and then he moved her here. Mm-hmm. And she got exposed from where? To our culture. Which country? Which country? Colombia. Colombia. Uh, yeah, so, okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. So once he moved her here, you can only imagine because we, you and I, and a lot of your cohorts and mine reflect a lot on what the educational system and the culture here does to women. It's full of a lot of half lies about what's important and what men are and what mm-hmm. they should be doing. So to go through her own growth and she grew so much, she grew way away from him and was discovering mm. herself and a type of feminism that sort of excluded him. And um, they ended up divorced. And, uh, but what you were saying is true. She was doing personal growth, but not in an ethical way, which not in a way that um, was a solid way for the marriage. It was, she was growing. I think when you do personal growth, you also do it in context of how to make the relationship better, how to be a better partner, how mm-hmm. to um, love better, not necessarily how to find myself and, and hate men, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I bet you this goes to uh, mail order brides too, because uh, guys who want subservient, you know, Asian women or whoever they want. Uh, and all of a sudden they come here and go, Oh, I couldn't do this in my country. I, I want to do this here, whatever this is. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. they change. And then, yeah, they're you know, going to make uh, friends. They're going to yeah. make friends in the apartment building. They're going to make friends pushing the baby stroller. And they're going to start huh. talking to women, you know, that went to design school in New York. And that, mm-hmm. um, which is great. However, like we've discussed, there's these sort of like pervasive um, lies in our culture of what it means to be a super accomplished, successful woman. Yep. Some of them are true and beautiful and some of them you know, are a little corrupting and not necessarily love-based and will separate men from women. And, um, yeah. So how are you changing the personal, that you can talk about? Yeah. So, and I, and I don't I want to get too like, personal, uh, but yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm open. You know, I, I went through my divorce and God told me years prior and, you know, it was a lot of praying and a lot of preparing to do that. Uh, not preparing strategically in the 3D, but more like breathing and praying and asking, is this right? How do I do this in flow? How do I have a wonderful, um, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow called it, I love this term, um, conscious uncoupling, not not divorce, hmm. not ex, but this person I loved and honor, how do I move away from them 
this way, but stay connected this way so that we're both still supported and there's the least amount of trauma possible. So I spent years preparing for that. And, you know, God told me many times it would be like an ocean wave tossing me. I would come up completely different, completely cleaned out. And um, so I'm still in that process. Cleaned out. That's an interesting choice of word. What needed to be cleaned out? Spiritually, like as if there was a, I don't know if you've ever gone through energetic healing work of any kind or um, it's interesting because I've been on a journey too. Okay. So going to an energetic healer who's, who's skilled. I mean, there's a million of, it feels like everyone calls himself an energy healer now. And I believe there are many more now than there were before. And that's a different reason the earth is ascending. However, a very skilled, experienced energy worker, you will leave the session. She's barely touched you maybe. Um, and you leave feeling like spiritually one of those seeds has been taken over your soul and your spirit and like taken out all the garbage. Like you feel, I want to say physically high, very calm, almost like after a long fast, it's very real. And so when I say cleaned out, really the dark night of the soul, I've been through, I would say once a week, almost a dark night of a soul, or maybe it's an extended and I'm a very radiant, feminine, happy woman by nature. This is how I came into the world this way. However, um, I've had a lot of my own trauma. And so this experience has allowed me to really, really get deep and pick out all the remaining garbage because um, there's, there's big plans for me. You know, I'm a caregiver. I'm a healer. I'm, I love working with women and I work with children. And so I really needed to be cleared out for my next big service. And that's done. This year has done this to me very much. So it continues to happen. And like you said, personal growth, like when you change your relationship, change friends, change, everything is a reflection of who you are. Right. But the personal growth, yeah, I've talked Mm -hmm. about two years of depression, you know, pretty openly. And like I say, I I always give the, 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 the qualifier that I don't want to get into personal issues just because we're broadcasting, we're broadcast forever. So it's always you want to think about, you know, how much you reveal, but uh, it's, it's pretty common knowledge. But my, but my depression worked for me in that it was the dark, you know, two years of the soul. And I was miserable. Mm-hmm. But I would not be where I am today. I would not be creating action radio. I would not be fearless. I would not be this, you know, masculine dude you're talking to. I would not be anything of who I am without that and then the, the, the resulting heart surgery. Because I basically woke up from heart surgery as a new person. I can't explain it, <laughs> but it happened. And so, and then I changed my life, left uh, California, started over here. And it's almost, you know, I've done that twice now from Boston to California, completely changed everything, friends, everything changed, uh, left, uh, left almost like a person behind, uh, or a personality mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm, with California. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did everything I wanted to do there, you know, and then I was there longer than I, I wanted to, but I had a kid to raise. And so that was the prior priority. But then all of a sudden, you know, she's on her way to college and I'm, uh, you know, it's me and all of a sudden I'm facing things that I have never faced. And this is, see, depression is really good for people. And I know that's kind of weird to say, but it forces you to, to deal with things you've been refusing to deal with. And whether you medicate or ignore or just carry on with the same old patterns and the same old repeated bad relationships, it doesn't matter. You're not dealing with what you need to deal with. And your body basically shuts you down. It's just, okay, Greg, <laughs> enough of this delay. We're going to fix you now. And then you deal with it. Well, it's, you, yeah, you've and, ignored things long enough to, to stay yeah, busy, exactly. staying busy, staying busy. And God yep. requires you to now rest and go inward and listen. And to mm-hmm. all the pain, 
gets mm-hmm. to be welcome to the table. All the, mm-hmm. all the old shit that you've ignored now comes to the table. You either face it and welcome it and ask what lessons you have for me. And, or you, you know, you could continue indefinitely. We're not allowed to escape our growth. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I agree. But, and this is where medication is so dangerous, antidepressants and all that mm-hmm. stuff. If you fail to go through this process, the rest of your life is screwed. But if you go through the process, deal with the pain, deal with the issues, face everything that you've, that you have to face, uh, your body will eventually say, okay, that's solved. Let's go have fun. And then amazing things happen that would never happen, never happen unless you went through that process. So the dark night of the soul, I call it walking in the cave with the psychopaths. You know, so you go into this deep cave and, with the psychopath, yeah. and then you come out of it, and then you see the psychopaths in real life. It's like, oh, I know who you are, <laughs> you know, because you've been You're not afraid any longer. When you go yeah. through things and you face your fears, you are not afraid. I tell my kids this, you know, we'll have certain circumstances, certain things happening in our lives day to day. You know, they're mm-hmm. with me a lot. And, um, and I'll say, wow, I remember when I used to be afraid of that also. And, oh, and you know, I tell them, the more you do this, whatever it is, uh-huh. join the yeah. crowd you're not sure about. Like, walk up to the group of people you're not sure about and say yeah. hello or um, go on that field trip or, you know, do that speech in front of the class. That's the only way. And once you do it, you uh-huh. can check. You're no longer afraid of it. Like, we're not allowed to. And I believe, you know, fear is, is basically Satan, whatever. I, I believe another name is fear. That's that's what keeps us from God. It's the opposite mm-hmm. of God, and and we're just not or allowed to. We're not. Yeah, there's conditioning where you're told not to try things. I remember I was flying an airplane at 16 years old. I couldn't even drive yet. I had no fear of it. Loved it. Well, certain you know crazy things happen in the airplanes, but I'm just talking about. But the idea of flying by myself was completely uh, beyond fear for me. Uh, and then I got to be conditioned. And as I got older, and went to college, and other things happened. I won't tell you that whole story, but it's almost like my personality changed, and, and fear came in where it never was before. And having gone through the depression later on in life, I'm back to where I was at 16, fearless, and mm. I, I can do it. I mean, I, the limitations. I don't think I'm never going to be an Olympic pole vaulter. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, that's not a problem. But in, in terms of things that I can do, I'm playing rock and roll better. Than, you know, I'm playing guitar better than I've ever played in my life. I'm sixty. I'm gonna be sixty-four next month. And I want to talk about that too because it okay. came up. Compatibility came up this week. You know, the question: how How do you choose? Well, first of all, when you enter a new relationship, how do you avoid you know soul wrenching heartbreak? after six months to a year. I mean, is that, a, is that avoidable or is that just, is that just is inevitable, inevitable that when, yeah, that whenever you decide to put yourself out there in uh-huh. dating, you either are going to get married and then possibly still have soul wrenching heartbreak later or mm-hmm. a series of, of heartbreak until you find your man. And I don't believe that's true. And I think there are keys right. for women, especially to never have to experience that again. And one of them you touched on, it's called um, personal growth. So when you're meeting someone, when you're starting to date, um, one, one of the several keys to being very successful and keeping your feminine radiance, your excitement about life, your happiness and not getting sucked into emotional chaos and drama and right. attachment is, you know, you ask certain questions towards towards the beginning first few days to assess compatibility. And one of them in my estimation needs to be um, how do you, how do you engage in personal growth? What are your views on, on like your personal growth and, 
you know, improving yourself and healing yourself and, and just wait and don't guide and don't, don't steer the answer. Don't maybe keep it really open. You don't need to share what you think it should be because a man who really is enamored of you, which he will be because you're so happy and confident. Um, you know, yeah. you don't want to give him the answer, but, but, but the only right answer in my, for me personally would be one that indicates healing has already been done in a major way and, and it's a continued lifelong process and, and personal growth is, is always happening. Um, both emotional and like, you know, ambition goals in, in life. Hmm. Um, because otherwise, if you have a partner that doesn't believe in personal growth, thinks everyone should just, everything just falls into place and your life is work, sleep, eat, watch TV. How fulfilling is that going to be to anyone with any modicum of, of self-confidence or sense of adventure or introspection? Right. Yeah, and and my biggest problem with a lot of relationships is getting bored. <laughs> don't don't bore me. If you bore me, I'm gone. <laughs> Let me read you something. That and I someone found. who doesn't engage in yeah. personal growth, yeah, and you do, is going to become quite boring and frustrating to you. You will yep. know you will no longer speak the same language in a year. Right. Agreed. I have to read you something. Uh, as you were talking, mm. I was thinking about this, and this is a post that's going around, uh, and absolutely makes perfect sense. It's called "The Truth About Being Single." You may have seen this. This is what people don't realize is that some people are single in this generation because they are healed, which makes them right. incompatible with trauma bonds. Yeah. And, then and 90% says, of people are married having trauma bonds as their biggest connecting. That's exactly what it says. So I'll get to that part. It says, then it says, unfortunately, trauma bonds are the template of our culture at this time. Those who choose peace over trauma will have difficulty in relationships because most people that we meet are emotionally damaged in some way. Peace is like paramount. If you, if you upset my life, I don't have time for that. I've been there, done that, don't need that. Then it says, mm-hmm. healed people, healed people seek healthy bonds. Yeah, I'm looking. These bonds hold space for authenticity and correction. It's kind of like an oxymoron. And then this is what you said about 90% of the relationships slash marriages that we see are actually trauma bonds. Those involved, quote, need the other person to make them feel whole because they're both broken mentally, emotionally, and or spiritually. What do you think? Yeah, and there's different, like, amounts of this, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, most people, you know, healing is a lifelong process. So I think awareness is the number one. So is this person aware of, of the ways in which they've been traumatized and, mm-hmm. and, and emotionally damaged, which usually goes back to childhood, and there's so many ways. I don't expect anyone to be trauma-free. In fact, if you think you are, I don't know if you raised in a that cave be, with, that with Tibetans. Trauma. I, I don't know, yeah. but it, it doesn't yeah. really exist, especially in our culture. But to be right. aware of the messages you were given and, and mm-hmm. whether the, if you sifted through whether they're true or not and how you're healing, how you've healed, what work you still have to do. And, um, mm-hmm. and then in every discussion and any conflict, you know, being aware in the conflict, what's coming to the table for you, what's true, what's your inner judge, what's your inner child screaming for love you know, and what's your, what's your full grown adult need and being able to process all that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I don't think, I don't, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with two traumatized people getting together at all. It's just that the lack of awareness and the lack of focus on personal growth, is really going to screw them up. Well, it's the reaction of the trauma that makes the difference because, you know, a true, I mean, if we're all traumatized in one way or another, I don't think you can avoid it, especially with government schools. You know, the whole process of schooling is, is indoctrination culture, you name it, uh, between school and parents mm-hmm. and society and, and money and jobs. And, and, 
Yeah, and ex- lack yeah, of and, good and, sex ed. I'm going to just say that. Okay, lack of good Sexual sex training. ed. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and, and 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 relationship complex. Do this, do that. You know, you can't do too much. You can't do too little. You know, you're normal. You're abnormal. You know, all the pressures that go on. You know, with 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 kids growing. I don't think anybody can avoid some kind of trauma. It's impossible. Some of us have more than others. You know, which means we have to work harder, and that's okay. I don't. I'm, working pretty hard. Um, but the thing is, if that's the case, then everybody has a trauma, then it, it's not the, the lack of trauma because you're not going to find that. But what we need to find is someone that has done the healing, that has done the work, and maybe your traumas are compatible um, or they're at a point where you've, you've you know, put them in the box. So, it, so you want to live outside the box, but the traumas are in the box. And it's like, okay, it's part of me. I, I recognize it. I see it. It comes out occasionally. Put it back in. Um, but there's got to be a way to, to have you know, a successful relationship if we're all traumatized and with somebody who's not going to bring it back out again. I always say two empaths should get together. Well, they're going to bring it back. They're going to bring it back out. They're going to bring it back out. And that's part of the work. I'm going to agree to be with someone who triggers me. And and I'm going to, I want to be with someone who triggers me, not because they're intending to, just because it's going to happen. We heal in relationships, but when they, when that trigger happens for me, and it's not them triggering me, it's, it's my mm-hmm. own thing interpreting whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody very honest and trustworthy, somebody, I can, somebody that's very moral and ethical because the, one of the comforts or one of the healing requirements is that when I'm triggered, I don't have to ask, but wait a minute, could they actually be doing this sneaky, dishonest thing? Like, can I even trust this person? That has to be in place. Cause, so when, they, when I do get triggered, then I get to feel that and I get to say, wow, um, I'm feeling really insecure and scared right now. Um, mm-hmm. There's a part of me saying, you know, I'm not enough and I must not be enough. And For who? I know that's not you. Well, you, well that's the three fears. So I'm not safe. Is, am I safe? Am I enough? Is there enough for me? And um, huh. Okay. And you know, all this information. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so usually something like that is being triggered, right? Um, not feeling safe. Like, you know, my, my man stayed out a, a, later than he said he was going to with his guy friends tonight. You know, he texted me and said, Hey, you know what? It's running late. I'm going to come home a little bit later, but he had said eight o'clock and I wasn't going to have dinner with him. And I was really counting on that. That can trigger a huge avalanche of fear in someone and a woman that then goes into anger and then can spiral into a, like a really giant um, conflict. if she isn't able to say to herself, okay, you know, this does not mean he doesn't love me. This doesn't mean he's trying to be away from me. He doesn't want to be with me. It means he literally needs to recharge after a long day of work and, and he's having a good time with his friends. And he let me know he's staying out late. I know he's not at a strip club. He's at, you know, he's doing fantasy football down the street at the place. And, and I'm, I love him and I want him to be happy. And if I insisted he comes home right now, he probably would. But is what? that really the solution? Is that the solution think that's you're good for a relationship? Yeah. And I mean, when it all comes to fear, you know, the shadow feminine is control, right? The shadow feminine is so afraid she needs to control and devour. And so a woman who wants a really healthy, great relationship has to be able to, as soon as that feeling comes up, take a breath and pause and say, what is this? And go really deep and ask yourself, because it's not him. And if you know, if you know you chose a really good man, it's not him. 
And if you're not choosing a really good man, that's also on you also, right? You're magnetizing that which you believe in. Hmm. So, Yeah. This is, uh, I'd say, we need to do a, like a unit for guys on this, or if you ever want to put something together, because men have no clue about this. Me included. This is how I know. Um, that the, the, the concern of women with safety Guys don't think about safety. I mean, yeah, personally, yeah. Do I want to walk on an open steel beam on a, on a, on a high building without a, uh, you know, anything attached? No. I mean, that's personal safety. But in terms of emotional safety, that never occurs to me. It never occurs to me in the slightest or with people I'm with or things I'm talking about or, you know, even in, in a relationship, the safety aspect, is this person making me feel safe, would never occur to me. And so I don't think guys mm-hmm. understand this component of women at all. You know, and this is where we go back to, to, to Greg's axiom of relationships. You know, men feel uh, secure when they're free and women feel free when they're secure. And that paradox really dominates our relationships. And so that women have to understand that what makes men feel free. And I'm not talking about sleeping around. I'm not talking about partying all night. I'm not talking about any of that. But just the idea that they're not being controlled by women, that it's okay to do what they, they will do. And they will be far more supportive and far more giving and far more fun if they don't, if good men don't feel like they're being controlled. Make a sense? good man. And there's, there, are, there are good men uh-huh. that really like women and like the feminine and are at peace with the feminine. And then, and then there are men that have been really damaged by cultural messages, lack of, lack of good huh. parenting, being raised on pornography, lack of a father figure or any male role model. But, and, and, yeah. and that's a lot of work for that man to be able to enter a good, and I, I like the word divine. I don't want to be all woo, but, a divine no, sexual ahead. union, a sacred union with the feminine that will be very challenging if there's a lot of wounding, a lot of masculine wounding mm. and a lot of beliefs about the feminine that are, like you said, they take over, they control, they never let you breathe, they demand, they suffocate. But that's out of insecurity because if it was confidence, they, if they felt comfortable mm. in themselves, they wouldn't do that. Well, like women, women, they might simple. have had a mom that, was like that. I mean, a man might have had a mom like that. You know, the way our parents are very fundamentally shaped how we see masculine, feminine, how we see ourselves and how we enter relationship, right? So all that has to be broken down. Everybody, there's hope for everyone as long as they do the work. And for me, the work, part of the essential work is going to God. And that's where a lot of philosophies differ. I believe we cannot heal without divine connection. We, we can do a lot of the work, but we don't. There's a huge missing piece of alchemization mm-hmm. that occurs, if, you know, that you, you can't quite get without the divine connection. So, yeah. So can people have a, a truly successful relationship if they have, if you have, say, an atheist with, uh, you know, a Christian? Um, what does conflict. it mean successful? So what, successful means something different for everyone. One that, okay, um, one that works. <laughs> yeah. One that you're together and happy. That's, that's, to me, that's a successful relationship. If you're together and you're happy uh, and you're growing and, uh, and, and things get better, then that to me is a, a successful relationship. So what is guiding the moral structure if we are completely atheist? When I say atheist, is this somebody who believes there is no higher energy source at all? Nothing... Yeah. Except so for atheists, we, we are born there is like, no God. Like, yeah. So, so right? an atheist, there is no, as I understand it, as an atheist believes there is no God, an agnostic isn't quite sure, uh, and, and anybody who has belief in God is it's pretty well established. It's been a pretty strong force in life, whether Christian, Jewish, you know, or, or Muslim or whatever. It doesn't matter. 
So it depends on successful. So I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say there are people who are more robotic and less emotional than oh. others and, and just really consider success. There are people out there that, that, that their emotional range is, is very small and they neither experience great joy nor great sadness. And, and really they feel enough fulfilled. Um, and, and I have my own hypotheses of why, but, and I don't feel it's really living a full life, but we're all called differently. We're all coming to mm-hmm. earth differently with different callings. So I'm not to judge, but um, happy and successful means different things for different people. I know someone who feels, you know, that his calling is to, you know, just, take care of his kids and he doesn't care if his job has any meaning whatsoever. He doesn't care if he gives back to the community. He doesn't care, you know, um, any of those things that those happiness studies say give real happiness. (laughs) He doesn't really ascribe to that. That's a whole topic. Sometimes we should, we should talk about happiness. What, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, real as opposed to imagine as opposed to false. That'd be a whole fascinating discussion. So there's something I'm going to say in, in my opinion and experience. There's something that's missing. It's almost like you serve a pie, but you didn't use like any spices. You use just kind of frozen, store-bought, you know, non-organic because they don't have as much flavor. They're grown in mass fields that are used over so they don't have as many nutrients. They taste them. It's bland. Just a, a pie that's um, made from really just, generic um, oh, like a pie crust with nothing on it ingredients no, cheese, no sauce yeah okay yeah versus a homemade pie by granny where it's flaky and she takes forever with the crust and she adds you know special spices to the to the berries and, and extra flavor and well, you know maybe she uses lemon she has those secret ingredients love in that pie. And, yeah yeah and the berries are picked from the yard which tastes very different i know because i have berry mm-hmm. bushes and so it's i feel that i'm just going to say what i've seen is that Living with an atheist, engaging with them feels like the first kind of pie. It's like there's some big human thing missing, like a richness, um, a vulnerability. Um, Can they have success? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it depends. Defining success, you know, if you define success the same way that your partner defines success, then you're happy, right? But um, I think it's very – I think one of the biggest – not I think, statistically – it's a huge red flag if the spiritual beliefs and religious beliefs aren't aligned going into a yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, it's doable, but it's very challenging. This being Yom Kippur, we should probably recognize that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah, it can, it can happen, but it's, it's one of those things that people end up in counseling about and, and destroys a lot of relationships later. Because if you have, if you identify with a higher power and you're submitting to a higher power's guidance for your life, that's a hugely different life than, you know, our service to self-culture life. Yep. Right? Yeah. Well, it gets back to your original question of personal growth, you know, where we started this. I hope this is your topic that you want to talk about because we've been spending, you know, the better part of the hour already on it. Um, But personal growth involves... Yeah, it wasn't really, but I'm always in flow here. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, But personal growth, spiritual growth is a huge part of, of personal growth, especially if you get closer to God in the process. And that's empowering. And I think people that don't, uh, you know, I, I, I feel for the atheists and uh, agnostics because how can I say this? You don't know what you're missing. 
you know, there is, it is an extra part of you that if it's not there, it's, there's definitely something missing and you can be happy. You can work hard. You can do your job. You can, you know, pay your bills and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But there's a certain emotional content to your life and your soul that just isn't there unless you have right. a higher power. And why, why would, why would anybody be, be so arrogant to think that they are the higher power? That's the part I don't understand. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And it really just takes one major tragedy to turn almost everyone into a prayer. Um, and I believe God will tap people. If you're called, you're not escaping it. And I do believe that we are all on the earth for different reasons right now. And you may be having a time in your soul journey where you're allowed to just rest and ignore for a short time, I guess. But I believe God taps us. And, and asks us, and if we don't listen, then we get met with tragedy sometimes. Something so deep that you fall on your knees and you beg anybody who's listening, and then grace comes in, and all of a sudden you're touched. That seems I hear to that. A lot. I hear that with folks on the show. Uh, Wendy talks about that. She does her Oh My God report. Uh, I was listening to John Voigt on with Tucker Carlson, and he was just, his life was destroyed and he had drugs and all these other problems and things like that. And he's like, you know, he talks about being on the floor and his kitchen floor, like on his hands and knees saying, God, why, why is my life so tough? And, and God tells him, uh, it's supposed to be tough. Like, Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> you know, and yeah. once you realize that your life is supposed to be tough, you're supposed to have challenges. Yeah. That's what makes us great. That's what makes us better. That's uh, you know, and, and I, I understand that completely. I and mean, I look at all the things that happened in my life. You know, the good and the bad, if I can quote a movie. Um, but each one of them plays a part in where I am now. And you don't see that because, you know, God sees the end of, the, of, of, of uh, the, the chapters, but you don't. You're still writing the individual chapters. And you don't see the whole puzzle. That's why journaling you know. is, is really, really important. You can go back in yeah. a year and, huh. and remember your thought processes and remember what you've been through and be proud of yourself. And not only that, not make the same mistakes again. So I feel like journaling is crucial to really expedite the personal growth and not, yeah. you know, get get enmeshed in the same situations over and over. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I I agree completely. And another component that I feel like, so suffering is much alleviated when we have support. When we feel like we can reach out to our group of people, everybody, and be like, I'm having a very hard time. Help. I'm having a very hard time help. And, and what do you need? Don't ask me what I need. Just, just come help. Just yeah. whatever. And then you know that people will bring you food, give you a hug. I'm here for a phone call. How can I help? You know, do you want me to go pick up your dogs from the groomer? Like whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're, we're supposed to have that. And, and this, these processes don't have to be so painful and so, confusing we're supposed to be doing it in community you know yeah and i think that's one of the big problems is thinking you can solve all this stuff on your own that's that's, that's a pretty big burden for people to take on it's almost arrogant in a way um marco said something interesting so he's he's listening in netherlands he says my parents are catholic but i'm an atheist but i don't consider myself mm-hmm. less human uh marco i don't consider mm-hmm. yourself less nope. human either um but it, i don't consider anybody less human however i still think but you, but there still can be something missing what would you say? Mm. That it's, it's really hard to explain because I've gone through a period of atheism in my life. And okay. I, this isn't my specialty, so I probably should be talking about it. I'm only saying when I ask my heart to reflect on when I'm interacting with an atheist versus some, a person who has a pr- like a prayer meditation practice. I don't, 
I don't care what they're calling it. I, the, one of the prayers I like to have is higher light beings, the all beings of the highest light, ascended masters, you know, Yeshua, who clearly walked to this earth and was some sort of spiritual being very close to God and did the blood mm-hmm. sacrifice, which is a universal. We're talking Jesus, um, right? Very magical, yes, very magical, without meaning a dark connotation of the word magic, but a very magical um, universal mm-hmm. phenomenon, blood sacrifice for others. There is yeah. something so powerful on that. So um, that was all real. And, I, I, and I, I use all these broad terms, but to have nothing is very, is very sad. Even Einstein, you know, admitted there is some sort of energy um, that we don't know. And, and it, it, there's some sort of thing to tap into. It's almost like a love energy. And, you know, my uncle was a theoretical physicist and also very, um, really, very, very atheist, very atheist. And even he said one day, cause I was, I kept pressing him. I was like, and he said, well, there is this light spectrum and it's here. And then there's the, inner, the um, frequency we know is here. And then yep. he spread his arms out really wide and said, and theoretically what we know exists is here. Nobody knows what it is. And there's a lot of evidence. There's some sort of force out there that is intelligent. And, um, and so that was hmm. an interesting conversation. And I'm not trying to disparage anyone because we're all on a different path. However, having no energy source outside yourself, that is whatever you want to call it, positive light energy or something to connect with. I don't know. There's just a difference in how you move through the world and how you vibrate and your frequency. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing's right or wrong and we're all on a different path. It's just for me personally, um, miracles happen and, and whether you could say, oh, you're manifesting it yourself or it's coincidence, whatever. When I connect, when I listen, when I ask, when I move in the way that I'm supposed to towards myself and others, miracles really do happen, like crazy stuff in my life that can't no. be explained. And again, that, yes, can. you know, trying too hard to, yeah. to go with science yeah. and trying too hard to, to yeah. explain things away can talk about coincidence and talk about mm-hmm. I created it or whatever. I don't know. But, but when you know, you know, um, and again, I don't think that any of that really um, makes an atheist feel better, what I'm saying. But like I said, I've been there. I, I, I've been there. I, I left many years ago and yeah. came back. But Well, there's a certain mm. anyway. uh, letting go that uh, I think if, if you don't have God, you have to maintain control of everything. And that's impossible. Yeah. Ooh, and so it's a very difficult path to Can walk. Can you imagine? But uh, no, I've never been atheist. I was definitely agnostic. I was like, you know, I'm not sure about God. You know, and, you know, my life's been pretty crazy. I mean, if, you know, and there, and there was the question: if, if God were, you know, really uh, in, impacting all our lives individually, you know, why is this happening? Why did the Holocaust happen? Well, because people let it happen. You know, and so there's there's a well, whole. Well, because we're on a. Yeah. You know, this is a 3D. Yeah. We're not in. We're not in a. We're not in the 5D, 12D structure. We're in a 3D. Mm-hmm. Very. We have been this Earth has been very mm-hmm. oppressed. There are definitely dark entities here. You can call them oh, reptilian. Yeah. You can call them demons. I don't care what you call them. Mm-hmm. That's real. So that's why Holocaust happens because yeah. wars are crafted. Even if you don't want to talk about God and spirituality at all, we have RFK mm-hmm. Jr. talking about the wars are crafted. They're crafted by these these groups, Vanguard, business. You know, State Street, yep. and uh, Black, Rock. Black Rock. That's who creates yep. the wars, and here's the proof that they do it, and, here's, and there's so much evidence. So even if you're like, well, there's nothing God, nothing spiritual – 
to, to, to imagine some, anybody who could do a Holocaust isn't human. Whether you say, oh, they've lost contact, there's brain, you can say there's brain dysfunction, maybe part of their brain, you know, maybe they, who knows, but, but, but that's not how humans come into the world. If you ever worked with children, they're so connected, giving, loving, pure, all of them, all of them. The only difference we're seeing is severe vaccine damage where there's no social connection whatsoever. The eyes kind of go blank. They stop connecting with other people. Um, mm-hmm. But that's intentionally done also, I believe. But even if you, you know, yeah, that's, that's not God. That's dark entity. And that's because our planet is under, under that rule right now. And I think we all can yeah. feel that, you know. Well, Sorry, I, I think that's part of that's okay. That's part of why I think we're we're so suppressed, oppressed, and censored here at Action Radio because we talk about these things, and we talk about things that you know. I just had Jessica on the first hour, uh, and she's telling about the things that you can't uh, you know say on broadcast news. And I said, well, that's why we're here. We're here to say the things that can't be said on broadcast news. That's that's the point, you know. And that's part of being mm-hmm. fearless. And we just do what we do. You have three things. You have BlackRock. You have Vanguard. Because I want to look into this more. I'm going to. Find out what RFK said. I don't want to get like a uh, transcript of YouTube or something. So, what were the three? BlackRock, Vanguard, and what was the third one? And I believe it's called State Street. Um, that's what my son, I could never remember that one because my bank is South State, so I get it mixed up. And so, but my oldest son oh. was like, Yeah, no, it's State Street. Um, okay, good. I, I check all three. This is interesting. But mm-hmm. yeah, if we're in a 3D world, and, and people, like I said, the spiritual world is not a 3D world. You know, but that's what faith's all about. Uh, belief in God is is believing in things that you know are true, but you can't prove it. <laughs> you know, because we're, because we are in a three D world, uh, and it's it's fascinating that scientists like Einstein, uh, as they get older and they start seeing, huh, there's no other way to explain what they're finding other than God, other than an intelligent force, an intelligent design. Um, that you know, my question to, to to folks, you know, atheists or agnostics is, well, you know, what keeps the electrons from running into each other and the universe collapsing? I don't know. Okay, well, this has got to be the intelligence out there, you know, that, that does that. I mean, who's managing the electrons? Who's managing the quarks, you know, the subatomic nuclear particles? Who's doing that over the course of universes, you know? And they, they yeah, found... and you can tap just, into that. You can tap into that no matter what you want to call it. You can tap in. Yeah. And when you tap mm-hmm. in, your body has a feeling. It's that, um, hmm. that tingling in the arms and the feet. It's that energetic feeling that that is divine energy and and, yeah, and I, I, I know think that the word yeah. i think the word triggers people and i understand why it does um you know i was raised in the catholic church getting beyond the words god and i've come back to the word god so i actually didn't use it for a long time um because i'm, I'm at peace with everything now i'm like oh yeah it's all just trickery like like you know really just a very damaging upbringing with religion and and it's so tied into sexuality when you shame Mm -hmm. sexuality and the sexual organs which is the same life force energy that created the world and created humans and created everything Mm -hmm. beautiful that same energy is in our genitals that same energy is sexual energy it's been corrupted also so um just like the holocaust there is rape so that is taking a beautiful energy and twisting it intentionally and then that also shames and suppresses and puts fear and shame into humans' hearts, which is the opposite of divine energy. And now you've incapacitated us, you've castrated us completely. So what I work with is increasing feminine radiance, increasing divine feminine energy through reclaiming sacred sexual energy through somatic movement. And it works and it's beautiful. That is a tiny mm-hmm. piece of it, but it tries to untell the stories. It tries to, it tries to retell the stories, explain that we were told and, and help us understand why we were told that and why it's a lie and how we can retell our stories um, 
as divine sexual sacred creatures that our life are full of life force. And, and there's no room for shame in God's eyes. There's no room. Um, you know, the vulva and the vagina are like mini, uh, mini universes, mini cosmos. And they are to be revered and they are to be worshipped and they are to be honored and sacred. And we have that disgusting feeling our culture gives us about them instead. That's intentional. And so that's people feel the same way about their own sexuality frequently as they do about God. And, and the oh, word God, and they say, oh, it's all religion. Oh, it's all religion. Oh, it's all lies. It's all, you know, it's repulsive, right? When the mm-hmm. opposite is true, it is actually life force. And when you take a breath and enter in and say, I've been told a lot of lies. Show me the truth, God. Show me the truth, divine energy. Show me the truth, energy that keeps, whatever you want to call it, the energy that keeps electrons from colliding. Show, show, me, show me your truth. I mean, you can start with anything. The labels <laughs> don't matter, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, that's just an um, example I with, use. Yeah. yeah. Well, with the women, we start with, you know, touch your shoulder, touch your knee, touch your breast. And when you feel that blockage to put your own hand on your breast, okay, that's interesting. Let's be curious. Let's not judge it. Let's not react. Let's wonder why we cannot put our hand on a certain body part without a feeling of shame or resistance or, or repulsion. And that's real. Huh. Um, it starts with little steps, but it, that is part of the journey. And, um, I don't know. I think it's beautiful. You know, it's fascinating. Um, I think I mentioned this before. Most of the reporters to this show are women. I really like engaging with women. Uh, and, and it's not a sexual thing. Uh, at least I don't think so. But there's, there's an energy between men and women that is different. And I love the dudes on the show. I mean, they're, they're fabulous. And we just had Jonathan uh, and Pianchi in the hour beforehand. But it's different. And I wonder how, how strong you know, sexual energy or just the, the, the energy that men and women create. You look at the, the, the discussions we have. How often are you going to find discussions like we talk about? We're pretty open here, you and me, the way we talk about stuff. But I wonder, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, why is it I have uh, three times as many women reporters as men on the show? I didn't plan it. I like it, <laughs> you know, because uh, I like engaging with women. But what does that say? Mm. I don't know. What do you feel like it says? I, I think you're very comfortable. I think you're you're comfortable in your masculine and you love the feminine. Yeah, I do. I think I said, I just I think I really just like engaging with women. Um, you know, and you're I mean, well the, the, tapped the, into yeah. your own feminine. You know, must be. My kid used to mm-hmm. accuse me of that. You're getting in touch with your feminine side again, Dad. It's like. What feminine side? <laughs> you know, now I understand what she's talking about. And she was like five mm-hmm. or whatever the young age. It's just creativity. It doesn't mean womanly. Yeah. It means just. It just means that energy. That energy well, that's if, more receptive, creative, yeah. um, not necessarily linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, but that's part of understanding that when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, we're not talking about men and women, and we're not talking about good and bad. It's just you know, just if you're a dude, doesn't mean you don't have feminine energy. I think it's good to have uh, a lot of both. I mean, I think I have more masculine just because I'm a dude, but, uh, in, but there's a strong, I guess, feminine energy side that allows me to, to be as communicative as I am. Cause we always hear, well, guys can't really communicate. Oh yeah. Listen to this show. We communicate all the time, <laughs> you know, on many different levels and many different times. Um, but, uh, I just find it interesting. And I thought about it the other day. So oh, looking at my, 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 my uh, schedule. Oh, that's interesting. And so uh, you'd be the person to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, 
We have been all over the place in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, I well, came in intending to talk about... That's well, normal. You know, I didn't... Yeah, I, I was... My original feeling was... And, you know, I always talk about things that are personal to me in my life because I'm selfish that way. Um, mm-hmm. That's not you know, selfish. What is, what is feminine radiance and what is... Why do we have women walking around so buttoned up, so unhappy... And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love to listen to Stephen Speaks every now and then. He's, I think he's really great. So if I have time exactly. and, you know, he's, he's mentioning he's a wonderful online relationship counselor, long mm-hmm. dreadlocks, um, really identifies, really helps women. He's very masculine, but he knows mm-hmm. how to speak to women, which is, which is really important. Um, and, you know, so he can, he can kind of advocate. He understands. But those go together. Are. If you are really masculine, yeah. I you have a better chance of speaking to women. If you're more feminine. You know, there's this probably too much that's similar. You can't see the difference. But in seeing, by being masculine and talking to women, uh, I think that makes perfect sense to me. Well, he speaks to them in a way that's very honoring and totally understands why they do what they do. You know, because okay. we women be crazy, right? We, yeah. <laughs> especially if we haven't I, done our that. healing yep. work, we are very chaotic. Oh, I've had a very crazy week. Um, yeah. The man in my life could attest to that, like hot, cold, <laughs> up, down, all over the place. Oh, um, and we, and unfortunately, I don't want to get him on, process, but I'd love to get him on. He'd be fascinating oh. to have him on the show, but like I said, we don't want to get too personal here. But that would be just the well, dynamic. Well, the funny thing is, really interesting. Uh-huh. and women process by talking things through, right? And the emotions are very so mobile frequently. What does so that say? he gets to hear, yeah, a different mood every hour. But, um, <laughs> but I'm working on that. I'm doing much better. Uh, okay. I, I, oh, so this week, so really, what was on my mind was more, you know, the inter, the internal work of. Of that women unfortunately have to do in our culture to undo all the mm-hmm. messages, and this creates this amazing radiance of love and um, excitement of life, and also a huge amount of forgiveness, compassion, and connection. Giving people the ben- giving men especially the benefit of a doubt, understanding men and why they're a little bit different, and being able to be in relationship really in the most beautiful way. Um, you know, and a little bit on how, how do you not have that drama in relationship? And it all goes together. Um, but first we undo the messages we were given, and then we step back into this beautiful feeling of radiance, which comes from a lot of self-care and connection. And only then do we enter relationship on, with understanding men deeply, what they need, and, and how they're different than women. So it's a huge topic, but... Um, it got what got me on this topic was picking up the book Vagina by Naomi Wolf and revisiting that, and she goes into just the eons of cultural messaging. And we've heard this, but it's, when you read about it, it really is very profound. The eons mm-hmm. of cultural messaging against women, sexuality, and empowerment. And again, I love men. I'm not, I guess, really a feminist, but but that's that's very real. And and today, the women living today are still products of these belief systems hmm. um, of, of, their, of their sexuality and their feelings. And, and it's really very still repressed, even from the word, the C-U-N-T, um, and people use it in a very derogatory word. That's painful. When, when that happens, women have learned to ignore it because if we say, oh, that word's offensive, now we're sort of, oh, we don't get it, we're not cool, uh, it doesn't mean anything, but it does. It has an energetic meaning. You know words cast spells. I do also. There's a oh, lot yeah. of energy behind words. 
And even our, our use of that as an insult or P-U-S-S-Y as an insult speaks volumes. We are steeped in this soup as women since we we're born. And I can give a million examples of, of why we have women in our culture, full-grown adults, who aren't able to be fully present in their own bodies and with men. And if we can heal that, we've won. The real humans have won. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the men will be eternally, eternally grateful because, you know, uh, guys in relationships have to face this too. So the conditioning that conditions women is something that guys have to deal with as well. So not only will you free women and they, from this, you they free... also have it. What they do, what do men have? They also embody that conditioning. They don't okay. just have to deal with the women. They also have the same belief system okay. frequently. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's the, I think that's one of the major problems is conditioning. It's like we start off, you know, being born pretty good and up through about five, we're still, you know, kids and we can do what we want. But uh, when the conditioning starts coming in, you know, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, uh, it's, it's this, uh, then we have to be unconditioned. So you spend half your life being conditioned, you know, then you have to spend the rest of your life being, un, you know, unconditioning yourself. It, it happens if we way just before that. that. Oh, it does? It happens way before that. I hate to say oh. this, and this is, might sound no. might, Go for it. It might sound to a, new, a newer listener as, as a little extreme, but even as much as when you change the baby's diaper. So babies, if you know they do mirroring, they look at your face all the time when they're healthy. When they're neurologically damaged, I say it's mostly from vaccines, you don't see right. that as much. But a healthy, really alert baby makes tons of eye contact all the time. They're always mm-hmm. looking at our faces to check in, right? So yeah. changing a diaper... You look down at their genital area and you make a, fa- a grimace, Ew, right? Um, mm-hmm. That in itself is a message. It starts, really? I'm telling you, it starts. Wow. Baby puts the hands in the, in the diaper area and starts twiddling. Now, I have three boys, and I will never forget when my, my oldest, he would be mortified. Um, yeah, I wonder like, if this, I should. You, yeah, you, you, caution. It's caution so alert. cute. Okay. <laughs> well, right. they, love, they love their genitals, and they're proud of them. They don't have a sense of shame. We give that to them, and it just oh, made my heart break when I saw it happening. You yeah. cannot protect the kids from, from, from being shamed by somebody sooner rather than later about, you know, nakedness or, and being proud of their body. And okay. um, can, we, can we just let them run around naked and, and just everywhere in public? No, our culture doesn't allow us, but... You know, there are cultures that do, many, that children aren't clothed until they're much older. Um, mm. So the, even the act of, of clothing certain parts of the body is a message. Does it have to be traumatic? No, but there's much worse messages they get also. So there, they, it starts very young. Um, a four-year-old puts their hand down their pants and starts giggling because there's sensations there. There's a lot of, it's like being tickled in the armpit or like having your head scratched. It feels good. That area has a lot of nerves. It feels so good. So they don't distinguish. And it's not even sexual. So, mm. so they don't, dis- yeah, so that's interesting. I never thought about this, but yeah, but so, so if, they, if one place tickles and the other place, you know, tickles to them, it's the same thing. Well, it's a different sense of tickling. Just like your head being scratched is different than, you know, if somebody was tickling your armpits or rubbing your feet, but it all feels just delicious and wonderful, just like a nice right. bowl of warm soup or a brownie from grandma. These are all yep. wonderful feelings about being in the world, running through the warm uh-huh. grass with your bare feet. Um, but this act got a disapproving look from my teacher or, a disapp- or that, at best a disapproving look in the best case scenario, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not, oh, that feels, doesn't that feel good? Now go, you got to wash your hands after we do that though. And, and then later say it's more of a bedroom activity, you know, again, to have the child fit into our culture, right? 
um, right. there are ways to respond that, that guide them for correct behavior, but also um, give the freedom and not a shame. So, but I, like, you know, so we come as adults, there's so many of these and they happen every single day. So no wonder we're completely cut off and ashamed and really repressed the best of us about really about sexuality and living super holy into who we actually are, mm-hmm. letting all the feelings have a place, letting all the, um, all the parts of us are welcome to the table and, and we're super proud of them and we know that they serve a great purpose. That's the goal. And it takes a long time to get there. Um, yeah, interesting. But if both people are on that journey, well, then here we go. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about from the beginning to the hour. That's the, that's the personal growth. And if one is and one isn't, you know, you can kind of see where that's going, right? I can. Um, but I want to explore the, the whole idea of sexual energy more because we think of energy as, you mm-hmm. know, cardio, you know, and uh, bike riding and hitting the gym, you know, energy or energy to, you know, run the show or be creative or have ideas. And, and as I, I am fond of saying now, you know, God sows these ideas in my head. I'm just a messenger because I don't believe that one mm-hmm. person could have as many ideas as I do. That's just not normal. Uh, so the more right. rational side says that's I know not what normal. you mean. So the only explanation could be, the, you know, this is God inspired. It's like, thanks, God. Appreciate the help, you know, um, which I say on a regular basis. But, but the idea of sexual energy, it's not just sex. And I think that would be something fascinating. Here's no time to explore, you know, for, for one of our weeks here. But the, but the idea of that, and I think if we can um, sort of not harness but, or use, but direct your sexual energy to wherever else it is or even sex. There's a whole, I think, unexplored. It's almost like you can't have, you can talk about sexual energy, but you can't use it there. But, you know, it's not really the good energy. The good energy is working hard and being creative and keeping your nose to the grindstone. But the sexual energy, that's like touching your, 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 uh, you know, genitals. This is like the, you know, which at four, like, who cares, right? You know, but, uh, but there's something, I think we're missing an explanation. Has this ever been studied? Has anybody really looked into sexual energy that helps you build buildings or makes you fearless or brings you closer uh, to God yes. or all these other things? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. It absolutely has been. And this I'm going to give asked. you – so I went through – well, there's a lot of people who have studied this. That does not make mainstream culture. I think the same reason um, proof of prayer in, in healthcare, which is real. And I am not ascribing to any certain religion, although I – Yes, probably most closely identify with Christian, um, certain branches of Christianity especially. But this is, this is not a Christian perspective. This, this has been like Chinese scientists have done the study completely. Oh, it's and not limited to Christian perspectives, except when Wendy's on. A curious <laughs> way, like does we're, we're, prayer we're affect yeah. healing for surgery? Does prayer actually uh-huh. heal the body? And the answer is 100% yes. And yeah. working as an ICU nurse, I saw it over and over and over. And uh-huh. um, these older Filipino nurses would say, if you can't get the IV sticks, say a quick prayer. I learned that in the first month. And this is back when I was a wild something, 20-year-old, and I really wasn't very um, prayerful at all. Uh, <laughs> I, thought I was going through an interesting time in my life. But when those older Filipino nurses who were excellent, excellent, um, were training me and, and, and told me that I believed them because I saw how successful they were with huh. the patients. And so I was like, okay, a little prayer for the IV stick. Sure enough, a little prayer for the IV stick works every time because there is a divine source that wants us to help and heal. There's a divine energy. That energy, whatever you want to call it, wants mm-hmm. us to do good acts and doesn't give a crap what we call it. And that is part of the exclusion oh, that religion show. does is saying, oh, we're, if you don't say, if you don't call yeah. – 
divine source energy this, you're going to hell. If you don't call divine source no, it is huger than that. And part of the hugeness is the sexual energy. Absolutely. I can tell you this right now. I'm going to sound like a crazy huh. lady to some people. I'm going to say it anyway. No, no. I can do hip circles in the way that I teach it. And the way I teach What's it that? is with a sort of mentality. Well, you stand with your feet spread and your knees are a little bent and you start circling your hips the way women have done since the beginning of time in, in huh. spiritual ritual and in um, happiness and in celebration. Okay. And if you ever go to Carnival in different countries, what I'm talking about, this movement I'm talking about, you'll see there. But it's a, just a big old hip circle. It feels so good. And, and when you're doing it, you are actually calling on this energy in your body that's so delicious and fun and radiant and excited. And it is your pelvic energy. It's your sacred chakra energy. And you can take that hip circle energy and all of a sudden shoot it out towards something. And I've had friends do this. Um, we have tried this over and over. It works, and you will actually make equipment work that wasn't working. You will um, change someone's mood like that. There's so – it is real, and there's been books written about this. Um, oh. I would say uh, Pussy by Regina Thomas Sauer is a good one to pick up. She's mm-hmm. Mama Gina. She's got Mama Gina's um, women's art school. You should read these books on the show, like Naomi Wolf and some of these others. It would be great to talk to them. <laughs> Just so ask. there Never have know. been lots of science about prayer and also hmm. sexual energy causing huge changes, absolutely changing lives. But it's a deep secret because if we teach people this, if people mm-hmm. know how to do this, Joe descends a manifestation. That's just another way to call on that divine energy. It's the same thing. Okay. And he has millions following him because it is life-changing. When I went to one of his retreats, almost everyone I met there was literally living their best life. They weren't faking it. I know the women. I was invited to the Cayman Islands resort she owns. I was invited to, to the volcano in, outside Cartagena where he made a healing retreat. These people have taken this channeling of the energy and they mm-hmm. have absolutely, like, it, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle. And it is God. And it is in our pelvis. And it is in our heart. And it's in our throat and in our head. And um, every part of our body has a different energy center. It's referred to as chakras sometimes. But right. and, and they all have a little bit of a different flavor of what they do and how they call. But that doesn't even matter anyway. Any one of them is connected, and you can channel and you can ask from any one of those areas. I mean, it's, it's amazing what's available to us when we, when we wake up and do the work, the personal growth, and begin to tap in to what we really have and what we can really um, connect with and begin to make this stuff happen in our lives. But yes, yeah, sexuality is a huge part of it. Yeah, and it's this not is sex, fascinating. Like you said, it's not sex, not the act no, of sex. No, it's the energy. It's the energy of yeah. the, that region. And if you put your energy there right now and you sort of focus on it and you'll feel this warmth in that area and you start to feel it and you feel it spread out to your hips and you just feel like this sort of heavy bowl of energy, that is it. Wow. And it's not, quote, horniness. It's, no, I want to go loop airplanes right now. Is it, this is, this yeah. is where I think my energy comes out in airplanes, okay? So, so I want to loop airplanes and fly really fast jets. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> yes, I, I keep do. getting denied and sidetracked and stuff like that. But, this is, but I think flying is sexual energy. I'm telling you right now, you get that throttle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you start rocketing off into the sky, especially at weird angles, it's like pure so sexual potent. energy that isn't sexual. Does that make any sense? I mean, Major potency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely definitely a guy thing. It's funny, I think more men are pilots. But there's some really good women pilots too. I've trained them. Uh, just, that's just my personal experience. But there's a lot of really good women pilots. But the but the sexual energy, the idea again. You know, if if a guy has a, a you know in touch with feminine energy, that doesn't make him identify as a woman. 
nothing could be further from the truth. So we need to almost give these disclaimers so people misunderstand. But I think sexual energy, I'm even talking faster now, the still thing of the airplanes. This is huge. So what's the guy equivalent of, of hip circles? Obviously, um, I think guys can probably do it too, but if you go back, that's a very that's a very feminine energy movement because the hips are um, the life giving. Um, right. My my guess for guys, and I've thought a lot about this because I would love to work with men in the movement. Also, think of uh-huh. a push up, think of a hip thrust, think of mm. taking your fist and punching it in, up into the air super high, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, think of think of that kind of movement. I think movements. I'll tell you right now, just. Uh, I think moves that make guys feel big, and I don't mean sexually big, but I mean like arm stretches, you know, just making you feel a larger being. Uh, I know when I'm in an airplane, and this is something I, I talked about with students. I said, you know, when we're up here in the sky, you know, we're, we're part of something much bigger. When you, On the earth, you feel very small. But when you fly an airplane in the sky, you feel big. And it, because you're covering this massive, immense area. I mean, the whole sky is, you're a part of the whole sky. That's really big. But if you're on earth, you're part of a little patch of ground. It's an entirely different thing. I never thought of it as sexual energy until 10 minutes ago, but it makes sense. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. really very cool. And, and even someone, you know, who's an atheist, if they can even process it that way, uh-huh. that's, I think that's enough. Like instead of thinking of it as God or religion, mm. think of it as your sexual energy. And if you can mm-hmm. begin there, that's going to start to unfold a lot. Yeah, this is very interesting. There's got to be, a, like I said, a guy equivalent. It might, might be hip circles, but it's hip something. Because, you know, our organs, oh, yeah. are, are, well, our, our male-female organs you know, are in the same place. They're just different. Well, but obviously it. there's something. A... Yeah. Okay, I'll let you Sorry, know. Sorry, I got excited. I got excited. Yeah, me too. This is um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, maybe a, like I was like a plank position. And then let okay. your hip come down and up in that plank position. And hmm. just and see what that feels like. And see if that feels. And maybe even a push-up and then a like a hip thrust and a push of a hip thrust staying in a plank position. It's going to take, it's going to be very strengthening and, mm-hmm. um, might come in handy. Yeah, Sorry. of course. <laughs> yeah. It's conditioning. Well, women yeah, yeah, want okay. that. Women don't want you collapsing on them after five minutes. It takes a lot yeah. of strength. A lot of women love that position in bed. And so, yeah. um, a lot of okay. men get super tired. Their arms get tired. And so it's important to keep those muscles up. We don't want to always get on top. You know what I mean? That's a lot of work too. So, okay. Oh, I think variety. Well, like everything else, you know, like the buffet is, the, you know, variety is the spice of life. So <laughs> we haven't even, even talked positions yet, but we we should definitely, that'd be a great chat too. Is, I mean, we can get pretty direct here. Uh, I think uh, we did position. like a year ago, but it was very brief. Oh, that's the, well, we can't, nothing about sex should be brief. That's, that's rule number one. So, we, mm. you know, whether we're talking about well, it or just doing it. You, unless it's a what? closet quickie on your lunch break. Okay. Okay, that's true. Yeah, we we did that. We did the office. We did the sex at work chat. So so we we need like a checklist. Where have we talked about sex? You know, we haven't gone public transportation. You know, park benches at night. That's actually a true story. I'll tell you, either on or off the air. Um, but yeah, but different places. It's fascinating. You know, sex in the woods. You know, car seats. It's just, but there's so many places we can go with this report. There's no, there really is no limit, especially when you consider the energy aspect. I, I bet you if you listen to the show, how we were talking, you know, half an hour ago compared to how we're talking now, we're talking faster now. We've got mm. that energy. We've, we've, we've got our own energy going. And I uh, feel it too. Know. Yeah. Well, I feel it too. And um, my kitties are waiting for me. I'm going to give them some French toast. Um, okay. Contact information. We'll do it next week. And but, uh, uh, the kids. French teacher just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Oh, bonjour. 
Thank you. Um, yeah. So. Well, merci for this week. <laughs> we'll do it again. So many week. topics. My head is spinning. And uh, yeah. So okay. My contact Dorothy Diana on Facebook. And I have. I, I just started open. I'm very unprofessional because I'm very you know casual about my my business. Really, I You're take clients by word of, casual, by word of mouth. In, I'm very instinctive. Intrigued. Yeah. But I will say I just finally have my own Facebook page for my business, so there's got like five likes on it because I haven't even told anyone about it. But um, I'm going to start posting all my business stuff on there because it is very okay. high, highly sexual in nature. And now I'm in the dating world, and it really like it puts a message I don't want to put out there right away. So uh, Yoni Yoon um, is now my separate Facebook page. I'm going to try to post mm-hmm. all my my naughty things on. Ooh. Um, our report. We get pretty naughty on the port, so I mean that that's definitely got to be there. You're probably more liked on on my page. I'm still restricted, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I mean, I cover so many things, and I, my emphasis is really on spirituality. But you know, when you're in the dating world and you're single, I love men, but they only need like a little hint, like oh, she's talking about sex, you know, to put the minds there. And I really want to emotionally connect first. I don't want to present myself yep. that way in the dating world right away. It just doesn't really yep. work. So my page is Yoni Yoon now, but I'm also Dorothy Diana on Facebook, and um, I'm on Instagram, and I teach uh, on Zoom online, and I also teach group classes. We do somatic sexual healing, um, a very gentle trauma-informed, super fun movement practice that is very healing and reignites sexual energy, thinking us back into our divine feminine to go out in the world with amazing radiance. Mm-hmm. Sounds wonderful. Thank you again, as always. I love talking to you. And uh, we, we, you know, as I say in Star Trek, boldly go where no no person discusses, you know, before. So here we are. Yeah, so important. Yep. All right. I'm going to bike to my coffee shop after I make French toast. That's my plan for the day. And um, you have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thank you again, Dorothy. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery? Alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, 
write your laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.